and here we go. I kind of sound like that that uh, fight announcer. And here we go. Jimmy Not, Lennon. Yeah, or? Jimmy. Good. Thank you. Jimmy wow. Lennon Jr., I think, People right? say to me all the time, why do you put up with him? He doesn't know anything about sports. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> People say that to me all the time. I'm and sure, then yeah. every once in a while, most of the time I kind of agree with them. <laughs> right. And then every so once I. in a while. And that was not rehearsed. <laughs> no. That was totally not. How did you How did you pull Jimmy Lennon Jr.? That's exactly well, I right. I used to like boxing. I used to watch sports at some and point he, in my life. I thought you were going to say Michael Buffer, and I was going to go, no, oh, yeah, of course, that, that's, that's let's get obvious. ready to rumble. Yeah. It's here we go. And the truth is, this is what you probably don't know. Okay. His father John was the, Lennon. No. <laughs> if he's Jimmy Lennon Jr., who do you think his father was? James Lennon. <laughs> okay. Pretty good. His father, if you go back to the Ali, you go back to the Joe Lewis Ooh. Madison Square Garden where the microphone used to appear used to oh, fall yeah. down from the sky. Yep. You remember that? Same with pro wrestling in Madison Square Garden, it would come down. Oh, and they did that like Harold Finkel would grab it. The really? announcer for WWF. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't picture Michael Buffer or Jimmy Lennon Jr. as having, but Jimmy Lennon Senior, whatever his name was, yeah. James Lennon, Jimmy Lennon. He was Jim <laughs> Lennon. I can picture him. He looks. Just, his son looks just like him. I can picture him from the old black and white yeah. Joe Lewis Bronx Bomber Muhammad Ali. The the mic would fall so cool. down. Oh yeah. yeah. Now who was? Let's get it on. Oh, that was that's that was a. An official. That was the judge. That was in the ring. That was the what do you call the, the referee? The referee, um, Mills Lane. Mills Lane. Let's right. get it on. <laughs> I used to love that. Mills Lane. Let's get it he, on. He was a judge, you know. Oh, he had his own show. I think at some point, <laughs> everybody had their own show. Right. You think we're the only knuckleheads that have our own show? <laughs> That's right. Episode seventy-three. And why are we in such a good mood? Well, I'm in a good mood now, but I feel like I wasn't driving over to your house. Really? You were kind of nucky mood? I was kind of like, eh, should I get excited about that 17-9? You feel like it should have been like 35-3? You, well, you should have stomped on them. There should have been yes. no suspense. But you have told me how many different times that it doesn't matter who the opponent is, whether it's good, bad, great, horrible, the Seahawks end up playing a game in the fourth quarter there's always suspense in the fourth quarter it's what they do i guess isn't it so why why don't you listen to yourself and accept it for what it is another road victory another playoff win in the Pete carroll era and we have another week just to feel feel like the season's not over you know that you know those shows i mean you did with mike gastineau uh, the, the sports thing you didn't yeah. do it really I, as much I with call Bob the glory years but yeah go ahead the glory how many years did you do did <laughs> I, you do sports radio with Mike Gass two years with Gas. so About. you so you experienced it two years I experienced it 20 those shows that you do right when the season ends when it comes to the halt like the abrupt halt oh. either in the play and then you got to do like two or three or four days worth of yeah. moaning bitching and moaning and it's just Believe me, we could be there right now. So, so when you okay. ask me if I feel yucky, we can talk about whether it was a great win. I didn't even know because I didn't hear it on the broadcast until I was preparing for your arrival. <laughs> you and your daughter, our studio yes. audience's arrival. I didn't even realize that both games ended 17-9 to in Philadelphia. I didn't realize it until I heard it on the broadcast, like after the game. What kind of odds? Amazing. What kind of if you had gone to Vegas to a Vegas, Vegas oh. casino and said, "I want to put on odds that the Seahawks <laughs> are going to play the Eagles twice, right. and the score is going to be exactly the same, and it's going to be seventeen nine. It's not going to be like twenty four twenty one. Right. It's not going to be twenty seven twenty four. Like a standard a football score. A football yeah. score. It's going to be seventeen to nine on both occasions. Crazy. Yeah. It felt like it too, though. 
It just felt like one of those kind of ugly slog slog of a game. Yeah. But if you would have said the Seahawks are going to get seven sacks and Carson Wentz goes down in the first half, I'm thinking 35 How about this? How about this? And we're talking way too much about the game because we haven't started the show yet. But what if I said seven sacks from the defense, 325 yards from Russell Wilson passing against the Eagles defense with no interceptions? Right. Right. Yeah, not 17-9. If, if I had said to you those two things, now you tell me what the final score was if those two things happened. The Seahawks are going to get seven sacks defensively when they had 28 over 16 games. They're going to get seven in this game. And Russell Wilson's going to throw for 325. And I don't think, did they ever fumble? I don't think they ever turned it over once, no. right? There were no I turnovers. Think I don't think yeah. in the whole game there were no turnovers. 325 and seven sacks, you would have said to me, final score. 31-10. to 10. A football score. That's right. 17 to 9. That's what it was. Ugh. 17 to 9. 330, 340 in Green Bay on Sunday now instead of Saturday. They were going to play in San Francisco had New Orleans beaten Minnesota, which I thought was going to happen. I didn't think there was any chance. Now that with Minnesota's win over New Orleans, that means Seattle goes to Green Bay and the Green Bay game was predetermined to be Sunday. And it brings up something that I want to mention before we start the show officially. We're going to mention it a few times because as so- as you would as you might expect, as soon as the clock struck zero. <laughs> yeah. I mean it was um, Lindsey Schwartz of Daniel's <laughs> Broiler must have been sitting with his phone right. watching the telecast <laughs> 5 Four and he had already written the text, I right. think, because when it hit zero, my <laughs> he was all ready for you. <laughs> I want to host a Green Bay Packers Seahawks viewing party. So immediately, right. I thought, you know, I've had a lot of fun at those things, but I, I, I'm kind of hopeful that my kid has a basketball game at the exact same time. Although I don't want him to have a basketball game the same time as the Seahawks game. But so I looked at my my kid's basketball schedule and it's actually open. So what Lindsay and I on Sunday, right after the game, when the clock struck zero, mm-hmm. what we agreed to is the following. I told him, I don't think, you know, these are these are fun parties, but people have schedules and they need a little time. Sure. I don't know that people will be able to say, okay, yeah, I'm in on Sunday. I'm coming to Daniel's. I'm bringing my wife. I'm bringing my, my friends. I'm bring, I don't know. I, I don't know whether people can turn it around that quickly. Right. So I said to him, I, don't, I just don't know. So the, the agreement is we have room for 70. If we can get 50, if we can get 50 or more reservations or 50 or more people that email me at Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com, that say, if you guys do it, we're in. Okay. 50, 50. or more right. by Friday, by this coming Friday, we'll do the party. If, 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 if we can't get enough people, and we can only take 70. 70 is the max. But if we can't get enough people, then we just won't do it, and everybody will watch it at home. I will say that if it was like a 5.30 or 6 o'clock game, that yeah. might be a little tougher. But 3.40 is good. You'll be home by 7, 7.38. You know? Yeah. You'll be oh, home at yeah. a reasonable hour. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So, so here's it. Consideration. So we got, so we got, so it, it costs 75 bucks a head plus uh, tax and gratuity. All the food, all, you've done the whole thing. Yeah, you can help amazing. me with the spiel. Yeah. All the food, steak sliders, shrimp, prawns, crabs, scallops. It keeps coming out. Salads, fruits, drinks. Drinks are included. Some wine and beer included, and and so forth. It's it's all part of the seventy five dollar price. I need if we're gonna do the party, I need fifty listeners to say or twenty five. 
pairs or, you know, 10 groups of five. I need 50 people by Friday to commit to me by just writing me an email, Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. I want to come to the Packers Seahawks viewing party if there is one. Great. And when I first heard heavy apps, a guy my size wasn't too excited about (laughs) that. I had the same reaction. I was worried because I don't want my listeners to come. The very first time we did it, I was like, Lindsay, I don't want my my listeners to come in and leave hungry. That's right. Checks mix. You never, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. We don't we don't like you to leave hungry. Yeah. Jewish people do not like you to leave anywhere hungry. Oh, that's why I'm friends with so many of them. <laughs> I mean, that's like my favorite thing in the world. Of them. I, yep, yep. I've, I've been to my share of Passover dinners. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the brisket, the whole thing. So when they say heavy apps. Oh, it's, yeah. It's sliders. You're going to be full. Yeah. You're going to be able to eat as much as you want. There was popcorn shrimp the other night. I mean, oh, so there's yeah. a lot of, lot of good stuff. All right. Awesome. Yep. 50 or more have to respond to Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com by Friday, and we'll do the party. 49 or less, I told Lindsay we're out, and Lindsay's okay with that because we don't want to just come out for, for eight. I don't want to host eight people. That's right. Yeah, and they probably don't want to either. <laughs> <laughs> they, got, they got things to do. All right? We can't get very loud. Oh, and you got to wear, it's got to get loud, yes. and you got to wear your Seahawks garb and all that stuff. The Oklahoma Bosworth jersey will not be making an appearance. How about Leonard Weaver? If you think I should, then I will. Did we win when you wore Leonard Weaver? To which game? The Arizona Cardinal game at Zeke's or the Minnesota no, at game Daniels. at Daniels? When you decided to put it on, what was the score of the game? Yeah, it was, I don't know, 10 to 3 or yeah, something. Yeah. It wasn't very good. Yeah. And how did it turn out? It was a great third and fourth quarter for the Seahawks. So, all right, I'll so bring it. The answer is, wear, no, wear it. All right, well, but I didn't wear it in the first half. No, right? wear it. Just come wearing it the yeah, whole time. Don't bring all it right? out of the bullpen, all right? <laughs> all right Episode gotcha. 73, the Seahawks are alive, and I guess, well, 3.30 on Sunday against the Green Bay Packers, the extra day thanks to the Vikings. Not sure, sure where or how you listen to podcasts. Most of you guys do it on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. You can always hear us on MitchUnfiltered.com, and you can get yourself a Mitch Unfiltered piece of paraphernalia or merchandise also if one show per week is not enough become a patron we do a second whole show on thursdays and some other stuff during the week it's five dollars a month and all you got to do is go to mitchunfiltered.com and click become a patron and you will have access to the second show each week that we do with all the guests and you it's and a me. full show it's, it's a full, full show yeah, it's a couple great. hours mm-hmm. Couple hours. Guests on episode 73, Brady Henderson, ESPN Seahawks Insider, brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions. We'll obviously be talking about the Eagles Seahawks game and the look ahead to the Green Bay Packers. We've got college basketball guru Jeff Goodman, also brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions. Numbers four, five, seven, nine, and ten. All lost this week. The previous week, 1, 2, 3, 6, 9, 13, and 16. So in two weeks, so 1, 2, 3, 6, 9, 13, 16, 4, 5, 7, 9, and 10 have all lost in the last two weeks. Since the last time I spoke to Jeff Goodman. That's amazing. I love it. It's great. College basketball. Although it's I wish be crazy. I wish the Huskies would have beat UCLA, but we can talk about that later. Maybe. Yeah, we, can, we, we, we definitely can talk about that later. Okay. I also had a great chat with Mark Halinski. Does the last name mean anything to you? Halinski. Is that yes. the was? Wazoo quarterback. Yes, it was yeah. two years ago this month that Washington State quarterback Tyler Halinski died by suicide in Pullman. All of us have been heartbroken ever since. And the kid was struggling silently, privately, had symptoms of CTE, as uh-huh. it turned out. Well, the family, Mark the father, Kim the mom, and the two brothers, they were all quarterbacks. Three boys, wow. three college football quarterbacks. The little one is at South Carolina right now, and he was a true oh, freshman wow. starter, I believe. A true freshman hmm. starter for South Carolina. They're all working on helping destigmatize mental illness 
and letting the it's called Helinski's hope, uh, letting the world know that speaking up and sharing your feelings with people is not a sign of weakness. It's actually the exact opposite. And so I, I had an interview. I had a chat, a great chat. I, I, I hope that everybody in our audience will at least take a little time this week to listen to my, my discussion with Mark Alinsky. It's very important. Great. It's maybe the most important thing that we're going to do all month. Right. Mark Alinsky. More important than the Seahawks right. game, right? It's a, it's a must. Yes. It's a must listen for everyone in our audience because my guess is, is that if you're in our audience Either you at times in your life have, have suffered through darkness like I have, or you know somebody that has, or you know somebody that has, but you don't know it. That's right. Yeah. Which is the most important thing that you can listen to. There may be somebody right next to you at work. There may be somebody right next to you, you know, in your family. Under your own roof. You have no, yeah. and, and this is an important, important listen. Great. All right. Hotshot almost ready to begin episode number 73, brought to you by Evergreen Gov Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest, offices along the West Coast, and not only the originator of Evervestment.com, a new program that caters to those of us that don't have the wealth that many of Evergreen's clients have, but still want to grow our money. One of the biggest reasons that Mitch Unfiltered continues to crank out shows week after week. Check them out, Evervestment.com. Zeke's Pizza, New Year's resolution, more sports, more pizza, more craft beer at a true Northwest original. Zeke's Pizza, now with 17 terrific locations from Linwood down to Tacoma and now straight to your door. Download the Zeke's Pizza app. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler for the month of January, a bottle of Veuve Clicquot champagne for just $40 to celebrate Daniel's 40th birthday, regularly $145. This month, $40 with the order of two entrees at one of the four incredible spots, Les Shy, South Lake Union, Bellevue, and the spectacular new Daniel's in the downtown Seattle, Hyatt Regency, world-class steakhouses, and the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage with the new year here. Let's make certain that you give Jordan Flowers' team a call, 425-250-3150, to see if a refinance makes sense for you and your family. For the last many months, people all over the country have been reducing their monthly payments and even pulling thousands and thousands of dollars out to do renovations or whatever. The Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. Here we go. Episode number 73 of Mitch Unfiltered begins right now. Unfiltered. There was an incomplete pass. The clock was stopped anyway. It wasn't like you're stopping the clock and you're giving the Seahawks an extra timeout. You're not. The clock was already stopped at an incomplete pass. Stop the game. It's too big of a moment. It's too impactful to all these teams. And look at all the angles and come up with a non-rushed decision on whether it was pass interference. That's all I could have asked for. And they didn't do it. Unfiltered. The psychology of bowl games, some teams are happy to be there. Some teams are not happy to be there. Some teams it's a letdown. Some teams it's a really nice reward at the end of the year. Some teams have guys skipping it to go to the NFL draft because they don't want to play one more game. I I just think there's too much going on in a bowl game for, for you to derive. I'm not saying you're wrong, that the Pac-12 doesn't suck, but to derive a conclusion that, okay, Utah lost to Texas 38-10 to means they're not nearly as good as we thought they were maybe it does maybe it doesn't I, I just would not put much stock in it in a bowl game mitch is unfiltered well 
Happy New Year. Episode 73 is underway. This is our first regular show All right. of 2020 because we we released a patron show on Thursday and we talked about New Year's. You had a good New Year's, right? You did the pool thing? I did. You we, did the hotel thing? We, we didn't do the hotel oh, thing you didn't this do the year, hotel. but we went to Star Wars and oh, dinner. That's right. And that's was, right. Yeah, and I, we love Star Wars. So we, we love Star Wars. So we did She's giving us the thumbs up. The yeah, studio audience is giving it. us a thumbs yeah. up. And you? She loved it so much she slept for like an you know, hour of it. I <laughs> it, it was like a fifth nobody can hear her but she, she slept through the end people can hear her. it was like I a 15 dollar nap or whatever 23 dollar <laughs> nap i mean it was very worth the money in 3d by the way a 3d nap. i max she lie on your back right. and she's asleep <laughs> she had a rough uh, what did you think of it you know max didn't let movie mogul max gave it a kind of a thumbs either to the side or kind of down i, I feel like a lot of people have that opinion yeah. but i don't view him like the diehard purist yeah, he's a diehard. yeah i'm not yeah. I, I it's luke skywalker it's han yeah. solo it's princess leia i yeah. loved it i i love them all mark hamill still in it he was in it, as a matter of fact. He plays the same role, right? He, you know, they the don't... same. No, he's Jabba the Hutt now. <laughs> what do you think he, of course he's going to... I mean, I was thinking, how long did that guy wait for a phone call to be Luke Skywalker again? How long? What, I don't know. 35 years or something? Yeah, well, he finally, the first time around. Finally got the call to be Luke Skywalker again. Yes, he was in it. And you had a good Happy New Year? Yes, we did. We went to, actually went to Leavenworth for uh, oh, an yeah. overnighter. That I, haven't, that I haven't heard. Tell Great me. Time. Give me. Give me a, give me a 60-second... You know, synopsis of Leavenworth. We, we, the family's talked about going to Leavenworth for like 15 years. Leavenworth, Washington is a... It's a what? F- we had a two-hour dinner. <laughs> yeah, two we had hour a two-hour dinner. Two the dinner was a little long. But yes, it's a cute little Bavarian town yeah, right I on the that. river. And yeah. even the Starbucks has the Bavarian font and the McDonald's. Oh, everything's nice. Bavarian. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. But it, it sort of feels like you, somebody shrunk you down and put you in like a gingerbread house community. It's just sugar everywhere. Mm-hmm cookies and bakeries. You were there over that one night? Yeah, one night. One night. Just one how night. far is it? How, how, how long of a drive is it? A couple hours, maybe. Okay. Depends who's driving, yeah. of course, you know. Depends well, she who's was driving. driving. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> episode 73. Episode Ray Roberts is about to begin. How does that sound? Oh, I was just listening to Ray Roberts, <laughs> as a matter of fact. <laughs> episode Norm Evans. Do you know Norm Evans? Uh, husky. So you should. Was he a Husky? Ne- I don't, I don't think he was a Husky. Doesn't sound. He was one of the original offensive linemen of the Seattle Seahawks. He was formerly a Dolphins offensive lineman. He wore number seventy-three. How about the name Doug Martin? Episode seventy-three. Episode Doug Martin. Nothing. Raider. Da. University of Washington Husky. Okay. Nineteen seventy-seven. Oh. Seventy. He was on that seventy-eight Rose Bowl team. With Warren he was Moon? a first. Yeah, I think so. First team All-American. Oh, wow. He was the ninth overall pick in the NFL draft out of the University of Washington, war number 70, defensive lineman. Impressive. Doug Martin, but it won't be any of the the crew. Oh, okay. Yeah. The 73 Dolphins taking it this time? Well, they did go back to the Super Bowl. (laughs) Did they really? Yeah, I think so. They went three straight years. I think it was 71, 72, and 73. Uh, We'll come back to that at the end. All right. And we'll name the show. It'll be part of a Stump the Band tribute. We'll play a little Stump the Band. About time. Do you want me to call Gas and get him on? I have his, I have, by the way, I came up with this phone number. I, th- I think I came up with this phone number. Like, out of all, after all these years, it popped into my head when I left your house. Because I used to have to call him for you every single Oh, you're saying you didn't day. have to look it up. You came up with it. Just, it, it just jumped into yes. your mind. And I think you're, I'm right. You're a numbers guy. Yeah, that's right. I am a numbers guy. That's what they used to call me <laughs> in college. Yeah, at DCC. Mm-hmm. We'll name the show. It won't be episode Ray Roberts, Norm Evans, or Doug Martin. But we will name the show. All right. At the end. Seahawks 17, Eagles 9. Barn burner. Yep. 3.30 on Sunday. Daniels Broiler, if you want to go. Yes. 
We will have a party, but only if there are 50 of you that want to attend. Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. Send me an email. Let's play a little tennis. Let's go back and forth, back and forth. Let's volley a little bit. Let's do it. Let's I'm, rally a little bit. I've never played tennis, but I like Serena Williams. Let's, so let's go, go back and forth. Now, don't steal all my lines. I know you. You're one of these guys that steals the lines. <laughs> I am a line stealer, yes. Don't be stealing my lines. Good artist borrow, great artist steal. Okay. All right. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. We'll go back and forth like quick hitters, okay? It's going to be impossible we'll spend... to not double up on these. Of course, we're going to okay, have some Okay. Well, of I'll just in. scratch mine out when you. But let's not spend a ton of time on each one because we got Brady Henderson coming up gotcha. and we okay. got another segment. So let's just kind of go back and forth on just random observations of the 17-9 win for the Seahawks who advanced to the second round of the NFC. Go ahead. It was nice to see Clowney getting off of blocks occasionally in this game. I could have used a little more of that against the 49ers, but Clowney looked pretty impressive against the run at least. <sighs> but but I would have liked played. it against the, uh, the pass, right? You didn't see him get off blocks and go smash the quarterback. No, nah. but they smashed the quarterback seven times. Did they smash the quarterback, or did they chase him down from behind for a one-yard loss, which uh, counts as okay. a sack? This is one of the uh, – do, do I have to give you the beggars don't camp each other? They got seven sacks. All right, fine. All right, they got 28 over 16 games, averaging 1.75 sacks per game, and then got seven in the playoff game. Do you really, Are you really going to challenge on exactly how those sacks came and how much they crushed the quarterback? Well, You'll take it, the seven sacks, I right? will, but how come it didn't feel like it? Like, I heard at some point they have five sacks. I'm like, there's no way. I had to go look it up. They had five. And then how'd they get seven? Why did it not feel like that? You tell me. It, it felt like it to me. Really? Yeah. When they needed a big stop or a big pressure. I just yeah, they got the, big, the biggest one was a fourth down. The last sack, the seventh sack was a fourth down stop. Yeah. Was the final play, offensive play for the Eagles in the course of the day. It was a sack. And that's when the announcers, and that's on my sheet. See, we're going we're gonna to yeah, totally yeah. double up. That's, that's when they say um, that's the seventh sack of the evening for the Seahawks. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I don't even understand that language. Yeah, right. Is that like German? <laughs> Sprechen Sie Deutsch? Is that is that Francais? Is that is that Espanol? It's some language. It's some language that I just can't even comprehend. It's like they said it, and I don't I don't get it. This is the seventh sack, and 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 the and the Eagles turned it over on downs after the seventh sack of the evening for the Seattle Seahawks. Seven sacks. Twenty ninth in the league out of thirty two teams in sacking the quarterback. They got seven. Not anymore. Well, yeah, because that's the, because those stats are over. <laughs> that's right. They, they, they stay they stay after sixteen games. All right, that's it. Seven sacks. Seven sacks. Uh, my first random observation is I can't stand losing the toss and having to take the ball first. Mm. I just don't want the ball first. No matter whether they're on if the road or not. If you said Mitch, you can have one thing in the Green Bay Packer <laughs> yeah. game. I would say I want ten more things. But I, I don't like it when the Seahawks get the ball first. Now, I get it at home, but why on the road, too? Because it just, first of all, it just seems to me like it takes easing into the game a little bit. And the Seahawks very rarely on that first possession, or at least it doesn't, somebody might, you know, yell to me the stats. Oh, they've scored in 12 of their last 13 first possessions. I don't think so. But, you know, they get the ball. They traditionally go three and out. It feels like they go three and out. Now you don't get it at the beginning of the second half. Now you punt it away. Yeah. You've lost the field. I don't know. I, I, like, I like sending the defense out there first and having to stop the other team. And the only way, and now everybody does, so the only way you can get that to happen is you've got to win the toss. See, in the old days, you could lose the toss to a bunch of teams and they would elect to receive. Right, so it'd work and out it, for you. And if you if you won the toss, you would elect to defer. So you were going to get it, 
you were going to kick off to start the to start the game and get it at the end of the beginning of the third quarter, either either result yeah. of the coin toss. But nowadays, there are so many teams that feel the way I do, which is we just want to be on defense first. That it, it feels like everybody defers. Maybe Green, maybe Aaron Rodgers' team would not defer, but I, I, it seems like everybody defers. It does seem like Pete Carroll loves to defer, right? Oh, I of mean, course. Yeah, he yeah. immediately, as soon as yeah. he wins the toss, you know yeah. we're kicking and we're getting it off. We're getting the ball in the beginning of the third quarter. Go ahead. The Marshawn Lynch touchdown run. How'd you feel about that? Now, I know people are going to laugh because what did he have, like seven yards on? Well, we're getting there. Okay, all right. We're getting there. It's on my list. I'll just talk about the touchdown run. Go ahead. Travis Homer's not capable of making that run. He's That's just right. not. That's probably right. So that was a great pickup by them because he's one of the few guys who could make that touchdown run. So, But the guy, who, the guy who makes that touchdown run in his sleep is Chris Carson. And he doesn't even have to stop and then second effort get in. He just bowls his way in. He's into the touch. But yes, it was a very, it was a very nice run by Marshawn Lynch. But I, uh, Marshawn Lynch. But I do want to point out, go back and watch the replay and watch DJ Fluker on that play. Okay, just watch him. He happens when when Marshawn Lynch is stopped and it looks like he's going to be stopped. An offensive lineman comes flying in there. Oh, great. They're taught to do that. He comes flying in there. He throws his body in there. And he kind of, I, I don't want to say completely disengage, completely gets Marshawn Lynch free yeah. for the extra effort, but just go back and watch that play okay. and tell me that DJ Fluker isn't underrated in his performance on that play. All right? Upset of the year, shocker of the night on Sunday in Philadelphia is that the kicker made the 49-yarder after he got the first one blocked on a low kick. Everybody was given the Eagles credit. That was, a, that was a chip shot field goal that every field goal kicker in the league kicked straight up in the air because he doesn't need any distance. It was like 30, 30-something yards. All he has to do is hit what we call an L wedge in golf. Just a little sand wedge, straight up in the air. It should never. You should never. The guy should have to be on your foot to be able to block a short field goal like that. Because every kicker should be able to kick that ball straight up in the air because you need no distance. And he got a block. Is this you coming down on Jason Myers' performance? Is that what I'm hearing? No, I'm no, I'm actually saying he, that he should have kicked it higher. It's his fault. When he when he got that when he got that kick blocked, I was convinced he was done for the day. Oh, I see what you're saying. That he was going to miss every every consequential kick the rest of the day. That he was going to miss extra points. He was going to miss a field goal. So then when he lines up to kick the 49-yard field goal a few series later, yeah. I'm giving him literally <laughs> well, a 3% chance. Come on, no, you weren't. Yes, I, I, He's an I, NFL kicker yeah, 3%. I, I, I thought he had no chance to make the 49-yard. Wow. And then he made the two extra points, too, so 17, so... Yes, one, it was one for two on the field goals and two for two on extra points. I yeah. told you he's fixed, and I was right. Wait a second. He's fixed? I think he's fixed. He kicked the ball into the butt of his <laughs> offensive lineman from like 34 yards. He's not fixed. Well, at least it was straight. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't left or right. Josh McCown at 40 years old. Okay. Did it feel like, and you've complained about this a lot, that the defense was playing very soft on the receivers, and he was just... Anyone could make those throws. Did it feel that way? Why is he completing anything? Yeah, they, they, he, he did complete a lot of balls in front of people. He sure did. You've been complaining about that all year. I have. They love I, to do I, that. I have been, but boy, did he really scare you? I mean, did, did at any point, well, I guess at some point you thought maybe they could still lose the game. But well, boy, when he went out and it became clear that Carson Wentz was coming in, I was just sitting in that chair right there saying to myself, Oh my God! You think of a break, 
Yeah. Come on. What an all-time break that is. For sure. In a, in a road playoff game, early in the game, when the game has not been decided, for the uh, the Pro Bowl-ish quarterback who's red hot the last four weeks. Won the Super Bowl two years ago. And, but, but is red hot the last four weeks, and everybody's talking about how good he's been the last four yeah. weeks. And they he he goes out on a concussion, which could have been a head-to-head, helmet-to-helmet hit. Could have been 15 yards. No on penalty Javier. or anything. No penalty. Yeah. And they've got an altacocker. <laughs> They don't even have a young guy. They what? got an alt. They got a guy. He was literally. What was he doing? He was, he was retired, right? Yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah. He was handing out balloons. Or he was making those. He was <laughs> balloon making animals. Those, yeah, <laughs> alt cocker. He was an alt. I mean, he's in his forty. I mean, what kind of? Uh, you talk about a great break for the Seahawks to keep no their question. season alive. That's part of my ugh on the way over. Of like, course, it's everybody's ugh. Yeah, if they would have had Carson Wentz, how would that game have gone? Would it have been a little different? No one will ever know. What do yeah. you think? I think it would have been a little different. Would they have lost? I don't know if they would have lost, but I feel like it just would have been, I think it would have been a little closer. They would have scored at some point, maybe tied it up, and Russell would have driven them down to have the game. Did you think at any point when it was fourth and seven that he is going to, Josh McGowan is going to catch a touchdown pass? They're going to run that same cockamamie trick play they ran in the Super Bowl, and that's how we're oh, going to no, go I never out. I thought of it. McGowan's going to. Was it Nick Foles who caught it? Yeah. It was Nick Foles. It was yeah. his play that he yeah. drew up, and I yeah. thought, oh, they're going to run it right no, here. No, I never thought of it. 40-year-old Josh McGowan's going to catch a touchdown to tie this thing up or at least get within two. If you really want to know the reason that I didn't think of it is because pretty much the entire game, if you if I want to be truthful with you, yeah. I sat in that chair saying to myself, please, God, help me. Don't allow me to have to do a podcast about a 45-year-old Alta Cocker beating the Seahawks in the playoffs and right. ending the Seahawks season. I know. I know. Brutal. Please, I just don't want to do that show. I'll do any other show. Right. If Aaron Rodgers I was, beat you, I, I, was, I, was, I was praying to the heavens. So I just funny, don't yeah. want to do a Josh McCown oh. beat the Seahawks podcast. It was, so I don't have to do that. So I'm feeling good. I'm feeling relieved. All right. Who's up? I think I'm up. Um, great to see that the monstrous season-altering delay of game penalty last Sunday really prompted the Seahawks coaching staff to get their act together and speed things up. It was so obvious that they were snapping the ball. That's right. Yeah, it was incredibly Renewed vigor and enthusiasm (laughs) about getting the ball snapped. I think they got another couple of delay of games, and and every other play was, we're back to 1-0. Unbelievable. But what about the play that hits Russell in the chest? What's going on here? I'm going to tell you what's going on. Yeah, you want to know what's going on there? Sure. I'm going to tell you what's going on. can't wait. Well, there was like six or seven seconds still to go on a play clock. And Joey Hunt had decided, you know what? I've had enough. That's right. And I'm just going to snap yeah. it. I don't give a rat's ass whether he's ready anymore. I'm sick and tired of having to sit here in my pose until 0-0. Zero, zero. makes me tired. You know what? I'm not doing it this play. I'm snapping the ball. Yeah. And he just snapped the ball. That's what I think happened. That's, a, it, That's my contention. Joey Hunt decided had he's taking his matters into his own hands. Yeah. He's, he's sick. He's so mad that he has to be in Philadelphia. He could have been home. They could have won the <laughs> NFC West. Yep. He's pissed off at, at Schottenheimer and at Russell Wilson for as long as it takes to snap the ball. That's it. I got the – you know who's in charge here, Joey Hunt says? That's right. I'm in charge. I'll snap the effing ball when I want to snap the ball. Yeah. And he snapped the ball. That's what happened. That's I wish, why I wasn't ready. I wish somebody in the Seattle media would have the guts <laughs> to ask Pete Carroll what the F is going on. Why? It's he, part of their game plan. It's part of the whole – it's part of the whole let me come to the line of scrimmage and, and take some time and look over and change plays and make alterations. It's part of the whole kind of 
it's the fabric of the Schottenheimer slash Russell Wilson offense. That's just the that's the answer to your question. Which brings me, can I do the, my next course, one now yeah. and, and and come back to you because it really has something to do with that? Well, okay. Well, here's the joke of it all. Why do the Seahawks ever get a false start penalty? Why, why is Jermaine Effetti getting a false start penalty and Hollister getting two when all they have to do is just look up at the play clock and wait till it goes to zero before they move? That's they so true. Know, they need. They know they don't have to. If even if they didn't, hear, even if they were deaf, yes, if, if they were deaf, right. they 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 could look at this. They know when he's going to snap it, <laughs> so they could get a great jump on the ball by just waiting to zero zero. How could we? The Seahawks should never ever get a false start. Right, since Penalty, when does right? Russell Wilson snap it with five seconds or three seconds? Never. Just stand there. Just look. What does it say? That's three, right. two, yeah, yeah. one. Okay, I'm going to go now, and you'll be right on time. Yeah. It'll be perfect. False starts in a stadium that wasn't even... Your boy, Jacob Hollister. Push-offs. Yeah, I know. False starts, two of them. I think he got like three or four penalties. Yeah, he did. Yeah, your He's boy. He's still my boy, though. Okay. And you watch him against the Packers. He's okay. going to really go for it. All right, I'm sure you have this on your list, but how can we not? DK Metcalf. I have it on my list. Yeah. All world. I mean... Binky boy. We call him Binky Boy. Binky Boy. Binky Boy. We've had our ups and downs with him, the fumbles and the drops. Today was all uh, ups. Or yesterday you know what? was all ups. You know what? And I'm the I'm the harshest grader and I'm the I'm the glass half empty guy. And I was I was really skeptical skeptical about that draft choice. Only from the standpoint of, okay, if he's as big as he is and he runs as fast as he does yeah. and he can lift as much as he can lift. Why are 32 teams passing twice? That's right. And even Collinsworth said, like, why is he not the number one? There's got to be something that we know that that he just that he just can't pick up a playbook or he can't run a route or he's got meat hooks for hands. I was very, very skeptical. And yes, there's been ups and downs and been drops. Come on. The guy you could you can now you can wrap this gift up and put a bow on it. He has had a terrific all things considered. He has had a terrific rookie year. He is he is turning into something that you can be happy with and proud and excited about for years to come. Everything about DJ Metcalf is I think is grade A positive. Yeah. And and, and his his coup de gras was Sunday in Philadelphia. He was fantastic. And those were all those catches were not simple catches. Some of them were bullets, some of them are I mean he dropped that very same ball in Philadelphia the last time yes, around. He did. And he not he has the wherewithal to not only catch it. I didn't think he was going to catch it. If you had hit pause and said, okay, catch or no catch <laughs> right. when I see the ball, I would have said no catch. He catches it. He rolls over. He bops back up. He scores who knows? They may not have even been able to score a touchdown with the way they were running the ball. Yeah. And sometimes rookies sort of forget that, oh, yeah, I could get up and run because they're yeah. so used to college. So yeah. great, great job by DK Metcalf. Incredible. Metcalf. The numbers are incredible. I have him here. And, yes, he was on my, he was on my list. Um, you mentioned Jadavion Clowney. It's on my, my things, my random things to discuss. How good is Jadavion Clowney, and you mentioned this earlier, against the run? Yeah. He's special. Is he like the world's greatest defensive lineman against the run? He seems to be – just an absolute wrecking machine against them. I'm not sure that he's great against the pass. I'm not sure he's a really a great pass rusher. Maybe he's an okay pass rusher. Yeah. Maybe this injury has really affected his pass rushing. And I don't even know that you pay him because he is going to want historic, an historic contract. We can get into that conversation when the season's over. Yeah. But 
if you were going to make your decision based on run stopping, that guy is an absolute. And it goes back to what was it six or seven years ago when he came through the line at South Carolina. Oh yeah, I keep seeing that highlight. In the Citrus, Florida yeah. Citrus Bowl and just just blew the running back up. Yeah. Right. I think it helps that he's as fast as a lot of those running backs. So he's so fast. He catches you when you, when they you think they've broken contain and the guy who was around on Sunday is around the corner. He just. He just runs you down and grabs you by the back and pulls you down. He is great. He is in the back. He's great against fly sweeps. So fun to have He's him. great against the run. Russell Carrington Wilson. He made a few plays today. That, by the way, Carrington is a middle name. I don't know. Yeah, and I don't think it was today. I think it was on Sunday. It was on Sunday, I think, yeah, yeah if yeah, I remember you'll, correctly. You'll get this right at yeah, some point. It's only 70. I we're only 73 yet. Count on that at any time. Yeah. That 22 yards up the middle I thought was pretty special in the first half, if you remember that, because we've talked about whether he has it in him to run, Great. whether he's fast. He just Great. took off. Great. What, a, what about third and 15? He picks up 18 with Incredible. his legs. How about he makes the guy miss number 53? I think it was 53. He's not going to want to watch that film with his buddies. Right. He makes the guy miss. The guy has him. Yeah, it's like third and what? 15 third or 18? 15. He third picks up 15. 18. Yeah. Third and 15. He has no business getting more than 12. The guy is right there at the 12-yard mark where he's going to be three yards short of the first down. Yep. And somehow he <laughs> makes the guy. Yes. That <laughs> I mean, was not on my list. Yes. Amazing, right? Random things. Yes. And Russell what? Wilson's great. Not, And then he throws for 325 yards, too, on Sunday with no interceptions. And that final play to DK. Talk about the, you got to have the macaroons there. I mean, it's, you know, third. The and macaroons. Ten. The macaroons. Yeah. Third and 10, and you're on what, like the 10? Yeah, you're throwing the bomb. You could throw but, easily throw an interception. Well, the interception's okay there, actually. Yeah, it's like a long punt, I guess. The, or, the incomplete pass is what gets you. Yeah. You don't want the incomplete complete pass because you don't want to stop the clock and give him an extra timeout. Yeah, great, great throw. Just trusted that DK Metcalf would be behind the defenders, which he was. But go back to the whole day. I think that was one of the greatest performances that I can ever remember on third and long. The third and long performance of the Seahawks. Go back and look at third... They got third and eights, third and tens, yep. third and twelves, third and thirteenth, third and fifteenth. <laughs> it was like I was like they kept on putting themselves in third and long and getting out of it. It was unbelievable their yeah. third and long performance. The best thing that ever happened to DK Metcalf was having Russell Wilson not just because of his ability, but not giving up on him. Russell Wilson has not given up on DK Metcalf all year long. No, continues to keep well, I, throwing strikes and make the kid catch. Boy, this really looks very exciting <laughs> for the future. It does. And while you're talking about DK Metcalf. Your buddy Tyler Lockett did not have the day that DK Metcalf had, but can we at least get in on the random things, the random things list about the Seahawks, the catch, the toe-tapping catch on the sidelines on third down or whatever yeah. down that was when he gets out of trouble. Half. Yeah, when he gets yeah. out of trouble and he throws, and and it, it looks like there's no way he got two feet down, and then the replay shows that he does, and then Pete Carroll throws the red flag, the challenge flag. How did Tyler Lockett get two toes down and make that catch in the first half? That was an awesome play. Amazing. I love it. And I can't wait to see him keep playing. I love it. I love him and DK together. They're going to be so tough to stop. They need a couple more. Yeah. They need a couple more. I mean, uh, um, David um, David Moore made a couple of yes, really good plays. He did. But it feels like there's still one or one and a half wide receivers short, maybe two wide receivers short during the uh, during the offseason. How old will I be when defensive backs routinely get their head around on passes? How, how old am I? Is that ever going to happen in my lifetime? Why are well, you got to answer. I'll answer that question. Okay. You t- but you have to answer a question for me first for me to provide that answer. <laughs> okay. How long is Trey Flowers going to play? <laughs> right. Is that, I mean, but I see it at the college level. I see it at the pro. But what are they? Why would you? 
Trey Flowers is good for one big P.I. in a big moment and every game. to act indignant about it, too, is the part I love. He's like, what? There's a flag? Well, but, nobody nobody believes that they ever committed pass interference. Right, I guess. If, if you're a defensive back, what's the most important thing you want to look for out on the football field? Are you interested at all in where the ball may be if you're a defensive back yeah. at all? Hot shot. You're missing the point. <laughs> okay. You don't turn your, your head around because you're beaten. You're so beaten, you're beaten by a step and a half that you can't take. The only time you can really t- turn your head around is when you've got good coverage on the receiver. When you're in good position, that allows you the time to turn your head around. The problem with Flowers is he's a step and a half behind, so he can't, what, you're a step and a half behind. You can't turn around. You've got to try to just somehow time the, your hands and the arrival of the ball. You have no choice because he's beaten. That's the issue. Trey Flowers is beaten down the field. He can't. You can turn around if you've got good coverage. He doesn't have good coverage on those plays. That's the problem. The refs are so much more lenient. Even if you're beat, just turn your head around. You may not get the call. Can't take it. Does the beast mode have anything left despite the one touchdown? Uh, Where are you on this? This is a hard one for you. I know this is a hard one for a lot of people. Does he have anything left? And they're not. He's not getting any blocking. Nobody's getting any blocking. There's no room. I do. I I do want to point out something to you that the last time they played to a 17-9 game a few weeks ago, the Seahawks had 26 carries for 174 yards. On Sunday, Seahawks running backs. You ready? Yes. 17 carries. Mm -hmm. Want to guess the yards? Well, I, I know the yards. 19, 19 yards. yards. Yes. 17 carries, 19 yards after 26 for 174. Now, you asked me if I think Beast Mode has... Does any- he have anything left? Well, anything left in the tank? If Homer would have rushed for 80 yards and Beast Mode had like six, I would have said, I don't know. But they're both using the same holes, the same blocking. and it. But I- Homer doesn't have... I mean, Homer is protecting the ball... He's worried about losing it. He's running very he's running very kind of defensively mm-hmm. for my money. I mean, he had a great game against the Niners. He took some caught, big hits. He, he caught a lot of ball. He's nice out of the backfield with the little swing pass and so forth. And I like Homer and I, I, I appreciate what he's given him, but you know, look. They when they lost Chris Carson, not as much Rashad Penny, when they lost Chris Carson, they lost, you know, a quarter or or a third of their identity, offensive identity. You know, for as great as Russell Wilson is, Chris Carson pounding people and running over people and getting five when only he should get one and getting nine when he should get four and getting 23 when he should get 12, that's part of the – that sets up all the play action and everything. Sure does. And so, yeah, when they lost him, they lost a piece of themselves. But – you know, they also have backup offensive linemen in there. They've got like three backup offensive linemen in there and they're getting man – do you see little Joey Hunt – Forget the snap. Did you see him getting thrown out of the yeah. way by the by the Eagles defensive he tackle? He whipped a few times. The guy's just taking him. It's like yeah. it's almost like a laugh. He's like the laughing. So he's just picking him up and throwing him around. It was a mismatch. So you don't really know, but does Marshawn Lynch have anything left? If Marshawn Lynch gets a hole and he gets to the second level, then I can answer your question. I haven't seen that yet. Well, I saw it once against the 49ers. And he looked pretty good to me on that run. On the one where he had the 15-yard run. So, okay. yes. And he looked good on the touchdown run. On Sunday. On Sunday, yes. I think he's it. got a little something left. Okay. One of my last ones is I have a question. This is for your you. last one, and I'll and I'll finish it up. Go ahead. What'd you think about Schottenheimer calling the game? Because you were, you said that was going to come in big, as it always does. Well, I, I had said that about the 49ers game in particular, but I, I always, you know, I'm always the best play caller in the room. Yes. I've always told you that. Uh, I thought it was just fair. Okay. I thought it was just fair. 
I'll tell you, I'll, tr- I'll try to break you down my, my opinion. My opinion was what I thought he did well was he didn't fall into the trap that he did. Do you remember a year ago when they played the Dallas Cowboys and lost 24-22 to mm-hmm. and the game had gotten away from them before he let Russell Wilson actually play in the second half and then Wilson brought him back, but it was too little too late. And we all said, how can you go to the offseason? How can you lose a playoff game? without letting number three, giving him all the chances in the world. I mean, he is yeah. your, he's your franchise, right? You live and die with him. And, and we talked about that all offseason. Well, I, what I liked about Schottenheimer on Sunday was he was clearly not going to let that happen again. He gave Russell Wilson the chance to win the game. And, of course, Russell Wilson came through with 325 yeah. yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions, right? So I like that. I also felt like with the way the shambles of the offensive line – that they were going to have a hard time protecting Russell Wilson, except for one down. They were going to have the most success in protecting him on first and 10 because of the obvious. The defense doesn't know run or pass. It's first and 10. You have an advantage. You have a little bit of a built-in advantage. And so I felt like, okay, if his offensive line is in as disarray as it is and can't block anybody – then he better throw the ball on first down instead of waiting to second and third down to throw the ball. And from that standpoint, I appreciated his play calling. I don't have the breakdown, but he did throw the ball on first down a lot. So I was I was pleased that when he threw, when he ran, I was pleased that he gave the ball to Russell Wilson and didn't let the Seahawks get eliminated without letting Russell Wilson have a chance. So yeah. I was a, but I still think I still think that when you're up against a good defense, the Eagles have a good defense. The Niners last week had a good defense. I still feel like you got to run some more creative misdirection, sleight of hand, fly sweep. How many times does he come around? They don't ever give him the ball. Tyler Lockett comes in motion, yeah. or you know that that play where there's a, the play where he rolls to right, he rolls to the right. They move the pocket, he roll, and then he throws all the way back to the left. Yeah. they've got little plays like this where you can use the defensive speed against them and keep them off balance. Yep. I didn't think he did a great kind of creative hmm. masterpiece from that regard. I still think that you could throw a screen pass. You can just do some more kind of for lack of a better word, you know, sleight of hand, creativity, yeah. creative stuff. One jumps into my mind that I just... And I'm not talking trick plays. You no, understand? No, I, yeah, I got yeah, you. Yeah. But there was a, I think it was a zone read to Marshawn. Everyone thought Marshawn was going to get it, and then he goes off. That, that was worked what, great. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. There's a million plays like that where you can really keep the defense off balance. And I think had he done more of that, it would have been 17-9. to nine. But beggars can't be choosers, as you learned. It's a playoff win. It's a playoff win, so I'll give I'll give Schottenheimer a B plus, <laughs> even though I don't really want to, because I would have gotten an A. How are they playing in the divisional round? How is that happening? Uh, do I have one last one? Do I get one last one? Yeah, you get one last one. Sure. Play of the game. If I told you one play mm. that you circle and you say that's that was the that was the biggest kind of underrated play, not the. You know, not the obvious ones, the, the long throw to DK yeah. Metcalf. And all. But was there one play that was a little bit hidden? I always like, I mm. always figure out which play that is. I have one. I have the more obvious ones in my head, but okay. I don't have anything that sort of... I thought the play of the game was with the Seahawks up 17-9, to 9, the first time that they went for it on fourth down. 
they were in the middle of a long drive, the Eagles were, and the Seahawks defense, if you looked at them, they were gassed. Oh, gotcha. And it was like third and four, third and five, yeah. third and six. They were ga- They were not – the only way that the Eagles were not going to get a first down and score a touchdown to maybe even tie the game was if they did something unforced – if they made a mistake, unforced, because the Seahawks in the middle of that drive, they were exhausted. They all had their hand. There was just they were not going to force uh, a fourth down misfire. Sure. And that's when the the Altacocker quarterback went back and he threw a little swing pass to the, to the running, running back. back who was open for se- he could have gotten as many yards as he wanted <laughs> yeah. to get. And he threw it behind them in a little low. Yep. Still catchable, but not a great leading pass. Yep. And then the running back didn't catch it. If either the quarterback throws a decent pass or the running back bails him out and just makes that catch, we could be talking about a different outcome in that game. So my underrated play of the game was that play right there. And not even a play that a Seahawk made. <laughs> That's no. your that's your play of the game. No, a mistake by the other team. Uh, just a, just a, 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 I would call it an unforced error, like they did in tennis. Since we're playing tennis, an unforced error. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the Green Bay Packers in our next segment. Okay. I'm ready. Hey everyone, a happy and healthy new year from Tyler Hay and his terrific team at Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Not only has Evergreen been responsibly growing people's money from all over the world for decades, not to mention developing the Evervestment program for those of us that, let's say, wouldn't be classified as high-wealth individuals, but Evergreen Golf Call deeply caring about its Northwest roots despite having offices up and down the West Coast in Portland and San Francisco and the Napa Valley, a charitable pillar in the community and a major reason why we continue to churn out episodes of Mitch Unfiltered every single week. The title sponsor of our March Madness Pool and our major championship challenge for all expense paid trips doled out in 2019 by Tyler Hay and Evergreen Golf Call, including that bucket list trip, a golfing trip with me to Pebble Beach. Check out evervestment.com. See what Evergreen can do for you. Evergreen Golf Call, a partner of Mitch Unfiltered and a premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Unfiltered. I don't want to get too deep into the Packers game on Sunday because we've got episode 73P for our patrons. That'll come out Thursday, and that'll give us a little time to digest what we saw on Sunday in the win over the Eagles and get the tail of the tape together and really get a good show together for 73P on Thursday. But let's just do – got to do a little bit of a look ahead. Sure. How do you, what's your immediate reaction when I say Green Bay Packers – Next Sunday, 3.30. By the way, Daniel's broiler big party. If I can get 50 people to commit, write me at Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com if you'd like to come. What's the first thing that you think of when I say Seahawks uh, Packers? I roll my eyes and think there's going to be two feet of snow and Brett Favre is going to be shovel passing and doing 31 degrees and pretty clear. That's right. I said Brett Favre. I meant to say it because I remember that game. Remember he had that dumb shovel pass? Yeah. I just think weird stuff. And then Hasselback, we want the Uh, ball and we're going to score. score. Yeah. That's what I think of. Yeah. Snow. Yeah. Cold. Yeah. Crappy. Do you like the idea? idea? Would you have preferred to play the 49ers or do you? (laughs) <laughs> no way. I'm not, I told you, but I'm not ready for another fist fight with them. I'm just not. I mean, I told you, I'm still ice in my eye. I got the frozen peas. I got, I'm, I'm not ready to fight Cut them me, again. Mick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not, no, I'm not ready for another fist fight uh, with them. I'm ready to try. So you're Green happy Bay. the Packers? 
happy. You're happy with yes. the opponent. You'd rather the Packers and the 49ers. You certainly would rather a Sunday game than a Saturday game. You'd hate to see them have to play the last game on Sunday in Philadelphia, the yeah. last game of the weekend, and then turn around and play one of the first games on Saturday in San Francisco against a team that hadn't played for 14 days, right? That's right. So you, so you get a little bit of a break. You get that extra day, which I think is going to be crucial. In your first blush, I think you like their chances or well, not? I think about the Altacocker throwing the ball all over the yard, you know, against the Seahawks. And then it's like, oh, wait, they're going to face Aaron Rodgers. He didn't really throw the ball all over the yards. They had 126 or 100, 150 yards passing the whole game. Well, it should have been negative 156 okay. yards like passing. Beggars can't be fine choose you ask me for my opinion okay. and i'm giving it to you i think okay. aaron Rodgers is gonna be a little bit tougher than him that's the first thing i think of aaron Rodgers. aaron Rodgers is just gonna have a have his way with the trey flowers of the world when i think of the packers seahawks game in round two for me the first thing that comes to my mind which i don't think seahawks fans will appreciate is how hard it is to win that game as the road team that second game of the div- uh, that mm-hmm. divisional round, I and I don't have the numbers on Thursday. I promise you, I will have the breakdown for you. That how often the t- you, you know the divisional round, Mister Postseason, is pretty obvious. There are four games, right? Yep. Two in the AFC, two in the NFC, and four teams in those four games are hosting the game, having had fourteen days off, and the other four teams that they're playing had to scratch and claw their way a, on the yep. road in a street fight a week essentially earlier. on the road if you were the three seed i guess you weren't on the road but yes you had to and in fact the two three seeds lost so every every team has had to had to you know bust their buns to be able to get into that game and they've got to now take a, another trip to you it's just a really hard setup for the road team to win i happen i happen to think and again i'll have these numbers for you on 73p that we're going to find out when I share with you these numbers that it's easier to win the NFC championship game as that team than it is to win the divisional playoff game. Did you follow that? Yeah, well, but I, don't, I heard you, but I don't understand. Because when you get to the NFC championship game, both teams have played the week before. Oh, I see. There's nobody coming off of a bye in the championship game. But I always wondered if that helps or hurts teams. Are they getting a little? Oh, and this at this stage of the year, you don't get a little stale yeah. or this stage of the year. Flat. It's just great. Yeah. It's great. You might I, be right. I mean, it's it's really a hard thing. So that's the first thing. And so, and the second thing that I'll say is, I don't want to do tail of the tape because we do that on seventy three P. But I yeah, you can do tail of the tape and you put you know, all your work. You're going to be eating a free taco. We didn't even mention that, did we? Oh, I just thought about that. Oh, your Tuesday just looked a little better. Didn't Marshawn it? Lynch again. <laughs> Marshawn Lynch again no you had it right marshawn lunch <laughs> that's his new name marshawn lunch again <laughs> that's baby. right that's right a free taco a taco yeah, yeah, time yeah. At, at all taco time northwest locations free taco for his uh, his incredible incredible touchdown and i'm gonna when i when i have the free taco and it'll, ha- it'll have a little bit of ranch i'm sure it'll it be special. Yeah, yeah, special it'll be special you consider yourself i'm gonna special. also thank i'm gonna thank him and i'm gonna thank dj fluker because you're gonna watch that play again and tell me yeah. what you thought of dj fluker flying in there and just getting himself involved and maybe freeing Marshawn Lynch up for the free taco Love for it. all of us to have a free taco. That's that's correct. Where was I? Oh, uh, tail of the tape. It'll be on seventy three P. But I think you'll get a. I, I think I'll give. Uh, I'll give you a Scooby snack as a Seahawks fan. I'm ready. And the reason I'm going to do this is I'm going to make you feel better about the fact that the Packers have had the bye 
And I just went through the whole story. 13 and 3. I mean, they look amazing. I just went through the whole story of how it's hard for the Seahawks to turn around after Phila- they fly to Philadelphia, the fly yeah. back, then they go back to Green Bay to face a team that's well rested, right? Well, let me just say that I think you'll be surprised at the rankings. You know, there's eight statistical categories on offense and eight statistical categories on defense that we rank both teams and mm-hmm. we play the game on paper. Well, I'm not going to play the game on paper right now. I'm just going to read to you the Green Bay Packers rankings Okay. in the 16, the eight statistical offense and eight statistical defense. Okay. So how many teams are there? If they're, if they're the best in a category, they'd be what? They'd be number one. Number one. If they worse, they'd be? 32. Okay, so here, I'm just going to, I'm not even going to tell you what these categories are. We'll wait till Thursday to do that. I'm just going to read to you the rankings, the 16 rankings, offense and defense. All right, eight and eight. Here's their, um, here's their. That's the noise you make when you try to to get the waitress's (laughs) attention. I'm 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 trying to remember. I'm just going to read you what they are. 15, 18, 15, 23, 13, 17, 10, 12, 9, 18, 11, 15, 24, 26, and oh, 15. I would have said, you just did the Cleveland Browns. Now give me the Green Bay Packers, is what I would say to you. We're talking about a team that's 13 and 3, yeah. right? Yeah. That won a bye, or is the number two seed in the NFC. And yet, statistically, in the most important statistical categories, what was the best number you heard there? Six? 15, 18, 15th ranked, 23rd ranked, 13th, 17th, 10th, 12th, 9th, 18th, 11th, 15th, 24th, 26th, and 15th. There's only one one that stands out at six. Yeah, and the nine's and they, the next And best. by the way, some of those are about Aaron Rodgers. Mr. Right. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. All-Decade, Mr. All-World, yeah. Mr. One of the Greatest of All Time. A lot of those st- stats are about the passing game. They're, they're just not very – they're not a good statistical team. Somehow, some way, they got to thirteen and three without being a good statistical team. I just want to point that out. Well, to you. that's encouraging to me because I don't, I don't love going to Green Bay, but that helps. The other thing I can't get out of the back of my head was what the 49ers did to the Packers this year. The 49ers really they laid it on them. Yeah. What was that? Thirty-seven. To, I don't know the numbers, but you yeah, remember the game? Them. Remember the game? Killed them. And yep. how have the Seahawks done against the 49ers in two games? Played them very, very tight. Beat them once and came with two inches away. Well. I don't know if I love that that whole if A is better than B and B is better than C then A is better. You know, divisional rivals, divisional foes. You see it yeah. all the time in the NFL. You kind of throw everything out the window when it comes to divisional foes. But yeah, I see what you're saying. For, forget the 49ers. Beating I think the Packers. the Packers are beatable. I, in fact, I'll say this: that if this game, who am I going to pick? If this game were this past weekend. And the Seahawks had to play the Packers in week seven, in week 18, the first week of the playoffs, with the Packers not getting any buys and the Seahawks not getting any buys. They just have to turn around and play. Yeah, in Green Bay. I might, I might consider picking the Seahawks in that game. But I am so, I am so overwhelmed by how much of a harder task it is for the Seahawks to get back. They're injured. Ziggy Ansah, different guys got hurt again. For them to get back to Seattle to, 
go through the the medications and get get start to heal, then turn around and go to Green Bay where they haven't played in four. It's just a hard thing. I'm not going to pick the Seahawks. I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to. But I would have considered picking them if it were last week where they both had to play the week after the regular season ended. Which is interesting because you picked the Eagles. I did. Which so is I interesting probably, to me. So I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have. Because I, I just felt that the Seahawks were in a... The Seahawks were just, I, I felt like they were in a bad place after Arizona and the way the Niners thing went, but the Seahawks got a break with the backup quarterback, and they played a good game, and they got to the quarterback, and their quarterback was great, and they're going to live for another game. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to convince myself by Thursday, by 73P, <laughs> that it's going to be okay. Aaron Rodgers is still 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, four interceptions. Yes, he is. At 38. I heard his age. I couldn't believe he's 38. Yes, he is. I mean, that's still a pretty good quarterback. Uh, and Trey Flowers is going to be out there defending we have the a receivers. Week. We have a week. <laughs> yeah, we have a week. All right. Three, uh, three great guests. Uh, Brady Henderson, more about the Seahawks. Uh, don't forget, Mark Halinski, Tyler Halinski's father, Halinski's hope. It's two years ago this month that Tyler lost his life uh, through suicide. And the Halinskis, the two other brothers and the, the mother and the father, they're great people. California people, they're great, great people. And they're now committing a good portion of their lives to further the cause and make mental illness kind of a front page thing. And what I say is to destigmatize it, because right now there's the stigma of, oh, I'm sick. I'm, I, I'm depressed. I'm, I've got darkness. I'm ashamed to tell anybody. And I'm going to handle this myself. Believe me, I know about that. I went through that. And it's it, you're weak if you if you include somebody else in your problems when the truth is it's the exact opposite. So yeah. Mark Kalinsky will be a guest. Brady Henderson will be a guest. And then Jeff Goodman on just the, the insanity of college basketball and why that's going to make for such a great February and March. Can't wait. Right. Hot Shot 2019 was a, was a terrific year for me and my family. The growth and momentum of Mitch Unfiltered has me both proud and touched. To have partners like all the employees at the 17 locations of Zeke's Pizza means the world to me. I started the year by watching the Super Bowl in February at the then new Capitol Hill location. And then I basically finished the year at the Kirkland Zeke's Pizza, one of my faves for the Hawks Cardinals game. And in between, lots of sports and lots of Zeke's Pizza. Pac-12 tournament viewings in Bothell. NCAA tournament games at the new Tacoma location. Seahawks contest at Zeke's Linwood in the Pac-12 football championship at the newest Woodenville spot with my sons. It's spectacular. And of course, the Levy Family March Madness Pool we do every single year at Zeke's Pizza in Bellevue. I guess what I'm trying to say is that Zeke's Pizza is much more than a sponsor. It's a partner and a place that I choose, my family chooses, when we want to watch a sporting event all while enjoying awesome Northwest pizza with a selection of craft beer that makes other restaurants envious. A happy Happy and healthy New Year from Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. So Lynch is in. First and goal from the five. Marshawn Lynch. And can he fight his way in? Yes, he can. With a touchdown. down, gets up, and takes it into the end zone. Straight zero. Here come the Eagles. And Wilson's going to go deep downfield, and you've got an open man in Metcalf to the 50-yard 
approach to this one? I think the whole football game uh, was really the third downs. Um, we did great on third down uh, on offense and, and had a big night on defense. And this was this was a really highly ranked third down offense and defense from Philadelphia. So take a lot of pride in that. They're ranked fourth or something in both. So that's a good deal for us to get that done. And really, that's what kept us going. And the big conversion, big, big plays by Russ. Our Russ was spectacular tonight uh, in, in moving around and finding guys when we really need in crucial situations. But I think the night was was stolen by DK. Uh, I mean, he just had a phenomenal night. Um, showed you, you know, what what he's capable of looking like. He's had a great season um, in his rookie year. But to have a night like that and first first chance ever in the playoffs, that was spectacular. And uh, and he did some stuff that he, it's hard to imagine anybody else doing. And uh, so we're really excited about that. And uh, so. Fantastic night for us uh, to get this thing going on the road. Um, we're pretty confident about going. I know we're going to Green Bay, and we're looking forward to getting organized to do that. Fireside Home Solutions, there's no question. Huge fans of the Seattle Seahawks, and all of us, I think, are excited over the Seahawks win. Yeah, it was 17-9, to but the Seahawks are off to the divisional round against the Green Bay Packers on Sunday. Joining us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline, here's our guy, Brady Henderson, ESPN, ESPN.com, Seahawks Insider. So let's start right from the beginning, Brady. I think it's the question that we're all kind of wrestling with. How do we rate the Seahawks' performance considering Carson Wentz went out and here was a, you know, a journeyman 40-year-old quarterback who hasn't played in a long time in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, they were good enough, right? And that's been the story for them all season. And you kind of have to grade them uh, just based on kind of the, the, what they've done and what they've shown you and that it's, that it's never going to be pretty for them, or at least not this season. You know, winning 10 games uh, during the regular season by one score, tying the NFL record uh, for one-score victories in a single season. Um, so I think you look at the fact that they went on the road again. Uh, they held a team to three field goals, albeit a team that played for, you know, three-plus quarters uh, with a 40-year-old backup quarterback who, by the way, seven months ago was one of my colleagues at ESPN, just to give you a, a sense of um, you know what, what they were dealing with there with Josh McCown, who was working at ESPN before uh, he, he came back and re-signed with the Eagles. So, um, you know, you could, you could pinpoint, you could pick apart so many parts of this game uh, that, you know, you didn't like from the Seahawks standpoint, but you could also point to so many that you did like, you know, 0 for 3 holding the, you know, Eagles just to those three field goals and 0 for 3 in the red zone. And that was a red zone defense that was not very good this season. Yeah. Um, you know, the seven sacks, which, you know, it was maybe the, the least impressive seven sack performance there ever was, if there is such a thing, because a lot of that was, it wasn't really, you know, the pass rush just getting home right away. It was, you know, as Pete Carroll said afterwards, it was, you know, a lot of those were covered sacks. So, um, didn't really run the ball all that well. So, you know, you, you could go up and down the list. But the fact is, they won a road playoff game, uh, and they only, you know, gave up nine points. So you got to do a lot of things right to do that. All right. Where are we on the Jadavion Clowney hit? What's the conclusion after the game? You were in the locker rooms, and you spoke to the guys, and you heard Pete Carroll. What's the conclusion? I know what they think about it in Philadelphia. There's no question about that. Dirty, not dirty, should it have been flagged? Will he get fined during the week? How do you view this? Well, yeah, to answer those one by one, I think he should have got flagged, and I think he will get fined just because, um, you know, they the, the, the people who are in charge of those fines have the benefit of the replays, and, you know, that replay is pretty clear. And um, if you ask Philadelphia fans, yeah, they, they sound like they were certain of his intent there. You know, I'm, I'm reading a quote from Greg Bell um, who quotes, Clowney is saying, you know, that Philadelphia fans, you know, they're just lighting me up, telling me go to hell, die, go to prison, go to jail. 
uh, you and your family. So certainly, you know, the, they're, they're not handling it all that well. But here's what I'll say about that in terms of the intent. Only Jadavion Clowney knows. And I think that if this was a player like Adamican Sue, you wouldn't give him the benefit of the doubt at all. It, that would work the other way, where you would just assume that there was ill intent there. But I've never known, you know, Jadavion Clowney to, to be any sort of dirty player. I don't think he's ever had that reputation. I haven't seen anything from him this season to suggest that. So I think a guy like that in this situation should get the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, if you watch it in slow motion, it does look like he intentionally leads with the helmet. But I think if you, you know, if you, if you slow down every play, every play that involves a helmet, helmet hit, you, you could potentially come to the same conclusion. So, you know, he said it was a bang, bang play. He said it was not his intent um, and that he was just trying to get him down. And, and um, so who knows? I think only he knows the intent. But, again, I think you, you may have to give him the benefit of the doubt just because you've never known him to be a dirty player. Brady, a couple of very important aspects of the game, I thought, from my end of the 17-9 to victory on Sunday over the Eagles. The third down performance by the Seahawks, in particular the runs by Russell Wilson. This wasn't the old Russell Wilson extending plays. Well, he did that too, obviously. But there were two dramatic runs for first downs one big one early and then a third and 15 he made a guy miss he broke a tackle he went for 18 yards to convert all part of a package of third downs Brady where they go eight of 15 and they convert on three third and tens a third and 11 and a third and 15 one of the great third down performances especially considering the defense that we're going to see for a long time talk about those things yeah, and it all came against a pretty good pass rush with the Eagles there. And, um, you know, this was vintage Russell Wilson in terms of, of running the ball. And, you know, he had a 22-yard scramble in the first quarter. And when, when that play developed, the, the play that came to my mind uh, was a play against Kansas City in the preseason of his rookie year, uh, 2012. It was his first start, and it was like the Red Sea parted on that play, and it looked very similar. And, and Wilson also, he looked – like vintage Russell in terms of his speed, you know, he, he, I, I think it's fair to say that he's lost uh, maybe a half step, whatever, um, since his earlier years. He looked pretty fast on Sunday night, and not only on that 22-yard scramble, uh, on the 18-yard run, uh, on that improbable third and 15 conversion. I think it was in the third quarter there. So um, I think he ended up with 45 rushing yards, which was more than half of the Seahawks' uh, rushing total, which was 64 yards. So he was the majority of their run game on a night when. You know, they really could not run the ball all that well with Travis Homer and Marshawn Lynch. And yeah. it wasn't just the yeah. yards that he picked up. It was the plays that he yeah. uh, extended and the sacks that he avoided. You know, to only uh, get sacked one time by that rush group with a backup at left tackle, a backup at, at left guard uh, with Jamarco Jones and, and uh, George Fant there, you know, he avoided a lot of those sacks, and that's yeah. a pretty good job. That, that's, I think, as effective as he's been all season with his legs. So you think it was the worst seven-sack performance you'd ever seen by the Seahawks and the best one sack performance that you ever saw <laughs> by the Eagles, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I mean seven sacks. Look, I'm not saying that every one of those uh, were coverage sacks, but a lot of those were. I mean, the, the one that Clowney had at the end, I think that was a um, that was closer to a legit sack there. But you know, the one that Cody Barton had earlier, I think maybe the one that uh, Rasheem Green had. You know, th those were those were those were coverage sacks, I think. And Pete Carroll, you know, pointed to. You know the defense, the back end of the defense holding up, and I don't think it's any coincidence that you you saw the the you know that's what happened 
on the same day that they got Quandre Diggs back at free safety. And I've been saying for a while that he's a difference maker and you know, there's some numbers out there. Really, the numbers across the board, you know, opponent passer rating, opponent yards per play, opponent yards per uh, pass attempt, um, all that stuff, air yards per pass attempt because they're not, you know, testing, they're not throwing the ball downfield when he's there uh, compared to, you know, the backups that they've had there at that yeah. spot. So, yeah. um, Quadre Diggs is a huge difference maker for them, and it showed up again in that game Sunday night. And I, I think that I think there's a correlation there between you know them getting seven sacks, which you know they finished the regular season with only 28 sacks, which was tied for the second fewest in the NFL. Um, so I don't think it's any coincidence or entirely a coincidence that they got seven the same night that they got Quandre Diggs back in the lineup. They agreed to not franchise him. That was part of the agreement that brought him here in the first place. So. What does the early Brady-Henderson index say as the chances that Jadavion Clowney, with all the money he's going to ask for, will be a Seahawk in 2020 and 21? Boy, that that is one of the harder free agent uh, situations to predict. And I'm not just saying that because the BHI has really faltered of late. Uh, I'm saying that because of... Yeah, the BHI really could have used that first round buy to, to you know recover from the regular season. Didn't get it. But uh, with Clowney, I mean, it, it's such a hard situation to predict because you know the, not having the ability to franchise tag, and not only does that take away the, the tag as a last resort, but when a team has a tag, that gives the team a lot of leverage in negotiations to be able to say, oh, okay, well, you know, we're, we're giving you what we think is a fair offer. If you don't take it, then we'll just franchise tag you. And a lot of players end up taking deals just because they don't want to get the franchise tag. They want to have that security of a long-term deal, even if it's not at the price that they like. So um, the other thing you, you got to consider there is this guy has never been to free agency before. He's, he, he has played six seasons in the NFL without ever having seen what's out there. So even if the Seahawks came to him you know, sometime within the next few weeks or maybe it's uh, you know, a month after the season ends, if I'm him, I'm saying, okay, great. I still want to see what's out there. Um, the other complicating factor is the fact that, you know, he's gotten a ton of pressure this season. I mentioned ESPN's pass rush win rate. He's right up there. I think he finished the regular season um, in the top five or six, whatever it was, but only had three sacks to show for it. And I know sacks aren't everything. It, it, it's, it's about pressure, but that's a lot of pressure to not be converting into sacks. So it, all that into account, it's a really hard situation to predict. I, I do think he's going to get over $20 million uh, per season. It's just going to be a matter of, how much more and, and how much the Seahawks are willing to, to meet that price. Brady, you and I have been discussing DK Metcalf since he arrived in the office of Pete Carroll at the draft combine without a shirt on. And it's gone from nice, interesting, very good rookie season to this, which was, I think, statistically the greatest playoff game by a rookie wide receiver in the Super Bowl era. I think I read that anyway. Uh, did DK Metcalf is he bec- is he going from a, a, a really good rookie wide receiver to kind of a star for the Seahawks in in front of our own eyes or is that premature? I, I don't think so. No, just because we have not seen we have rarely seen you know a rookie come onto the scene uh, like this for the Seahawks. You know, it happened with Doug Baldwin. Uh, it happened with Tyler Lockett. You know, in 2015. But that's it. I mean, th- th- those are. That's that's kind of the gold standard there, and he's been right up there with both of those guys. And um, I don't I don't remember either of those guys taking over a playoff game in their rookie season like we saw DK Metcalf do Sunday night. Seven catches, 160 yards, uh, and that touchdown. And yeah, you're right. That was according to the NFL, that was uh, a, a record for a rookie receiver in a playoff game um, in the Super Bowl era. It was also the Seahawks' record 
for a receiver, rookie or veteran, uh, in a playoff game. So, you know, he, he just took that game over. You saw, I think, the, the, the touchdown is what's going to get everybody's attention. You saw the speed there, the four three three speed to get by the cornerback, and then the power uh, just to overpower him into the end zone. What I thought was equally significant was the fact that when the game was on the line, yep. third and ten with the Seahawks backed up near their own end zone, they need a conversion there to avoid having to punt the ball back to, to Philadelphia. And who do they go to? Who does Russell Wilson trust in that situation? D.K. Metcalf, and he comes down. Uh, you know, I thought it was interesting there. Russell said that he, he intentionally took a little something off that ball uh, because he figured he would rather underthrow it a little bit and give Metcalf a chance to go up and get it as opposed to overthrow it and not give him a chance at it. And he, he, so he, he put a little more air in that ball, knowing that DK Metcalf would go up and get it. Metcalf climbed the ladder uh, and came down with it. So just a testament, I think, to, to the, the trust that he's earned with Wilson, in addition to his ability to get open on that play and go up and get that ball. Despite Russell Wilson's legs and Marshawn Lynch's extra effort score, the running game was anemic on Sunday. This was also a team that had great success running against that same Philadelphia Eagles team several weeks earlier. Is it over because of all the injuries and the offensive line injuries? Have we all lost hope in the run game, or could it could it return somehow on Sunday in Green Bay? Yeah, I, I, I think it could return. And, it, you know, I don't think it was a matter of Travis Homer and Marshawn Lynch being – ineffective. I think it was the fact that, you know, they knew that the Eagles uh, were going to load up to stop the run. I think it's also a matter of, look, you know, Fletcher Cox is going to be a really tough matchup for any center, especially a, a center like Joey Hunt, who I think Joey Hunt's done a pretty nice job uh, filling in for, for Justin Brown. He's making a case to, to actually, I think, maybe win that job or, or take that job over next season. But he's going to have a hard time against, you know, as a smaller center, he's going to have a hard time against Fletcher Cox. And you saw that, you know, there was that play early in that game when the Cox just did it, gave him the Reggie White club and kind of tossed him aside there. Um, so I don't think it was a matter of, of Travis Homer and Marshawn Lynch being less effective. I think it was the Eagles, you know, who were good against the run, really geared up to stop the run. And, you know, I thought, you know, I, what, I, what came to mind for me was, remember that playoff game at Dallas last season when the Seahawks were intent on running the ball, yeah. even though they could not run the ball. And, right. and they were seemed like they were just running into a brick wall every right, play. Right. Well, they, they had just as much trouble running the ball, but I thought they, you know, they put that game in Russell's hands more yeah. so Sunday night than no they did question. last season. No question. As we follow you on, uh, on Twitter and on social media and on ESPN and on ESPN.com, we'll be wondering about injuries as we count down the days and hours till Sunday, just after, what, 3.30 Pacific time at Lambeau Field in Green Bay, Wisconsin. What injuries coming out of Sunday? What uh, lingering injuries from before Sunday? Who are we watching? Who's the watch? Who's the injury watch on? Yeah, well, Pete Carroll said that they didn't suffer any significant injuries other than Ziggy Ansah uh, re-aggravating his, uh, his stinger that he's been dealing with, and that came on that play where you saw somehow Josh McCown you know, beat him to the edge and outrun him, and then Ziggy Ansah collided with Shaquille Griffin while he was giving chase, and so um, Pete was not sure about Ziggy's status for this week. And, you know, look, I, I say this not to mean any disrespect, but Ziggy Ansa has, has not really been a, a hugely impactful player for them. So um, if they don't have him at Green Bay, I, I don't know. I don't really know how, how significant of a loss that would be. Um, the other name to keep, in my, to keep uh, an eye on this week is going to be Dwayne Brown. And, um, you know, Pete said, I think, 
when it was when it first came out that Dwayne Brown had knee surgery, I think he said at least or at best it's going to be two weeks. Um, so this this would be I think three weeks now. And look, the guy had knee surgery, so it, it's it's kind of crazy to even think that he could be back at all. But um, that was the thought that he could maybe come back at some point in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He didn't practice at all uh, last week leading up to that that game against uh, against the Eagles. So I, I don't know if it's necessarily likely, but it sounds like there may at least be some chance. All right. You didn't think you were going to get away empty-handed. <laughs> Is it over? Is it over on Sunday at Lambeau Field? Or does the season somehow continue to the NFC Championship game? Are you asking for a percentage? Is that what we're getting at here? You can go percentage or you can just give me a straight yes or no. Is the season over on Sunday, or do the Seahawks find a way? Does Russell Wilson find a way to squeeze by a Packers team and wind up either hosting the NFC Championship, which sounds crazy, or going to San Francisco for the third battle between those two teams? What's going to happen? I'm going to give you my rationale first, and then I'll give you uh, my answer. I will say this. They are way better equipped to go into Lambeau Field and win that game now that they've got Quandre Diggs back, uh, manning the back end of their defense, than they would have been with Lano Hill back there. So I I can't say enough how much I think Diggs is a difference maker for them. They've also got a quarterback who it doesn't matter really the the situation. I think they're going to be in any game, and we've seen that. They they rarely get blown out, save for a couple times this season. They're going to have a chance to win any game against any opponent, um, even a good, you know, a good quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. So, with everything that's stacked up against them, I would not pick them to win this game. But I do. Uh, the, the BHI does give them a 44% chance to win this game. Well, it's fun to just talk about it and not have to do the whole, <laughs> the whole postmortem just yet. We'll put the postmortem mortem away for at least another week. Uh, Brady Henderson, ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter. Read all the stuff on ESPN and ESPN.com because, yep, the Seahawks are going to Green Bay to renew the rivalry between the Packers and the Seattle Seahawks. Brady Henderson joining us courtesy of Fireside Home Solutions. Remember, Fireside Home Solutions is your spot for a brand-new energy-efficient fireplace this winter. Brady, you're the best. Thanks very, very much. All right, thanks, Mitch. We'll do it all over again next week. Brady Henderson, ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com. The Seahawks beat the Eagles again 17-9, and it's off to Green Bay and the Packers for the divisional round on Sunday at just after 3.30 p.m. Pacific time. I can't wait. A happy and healthy new year for my friends at Daniel's Broiler to thank their guests for an exceptional 2019 and to celebrate their 40th birthday. We've put together the best January promotion of all time for the month of January only all four Daniel's Broilers will be offering a bottle of Veuve Clicquot yellow label champagne for $40 at dinner, regularly $145. Simply order two dinner entrees, and this great champagne is yours for just $40. The loyalty of Daniel's guests over the last 40 years, clearly deserving of an offer of this magnitude. So continue celebrating the holidays through the month of January at Daniel's Broiler with a bottle of Veuve Clicquot for just $40. Located at South Lake Union, Leshheim Arena, Bellevue Place, and now the new downtown Hyatt Regency, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. 
Unfiltered. You know, as we enter a new year, a new decade, and we reflect upon the last 10, like any other period, there was lots and lots of sadness in the world, and sports clearly was not immune to that sadness. None of us in the Northwest or college football fans anywhere will ever forget the story of Tyler Holinsky, the promising Washington State quarterback who took his life two years ago this month after privately struggling with depression. And I'm so pleased to welcome in Tyler's dad, Mark, who along with Kim and brothers Kelly and Ryan and tons of friends and family continue the fight to destigmatize mental illness through Holinsky's hope. Mark, thank you so much for sharing some time with us on Mitch Unfiltered. We appreciate it very much. No, happy to be here. Thanks so much, Mitch. I know this will be an especially tough month, Mark, but please update us all on how your family's doing. Hopefully you were able to enjoy the holidays. Yeah, it's the second Christmas um, we've we've been through without Tyler, which um, I don't know. You know, this this month, last month, they're all hard, Mitch. To be honest, every day is a a difficult uh, journey without him. He was uh, he really was the most special kid you could ever imagine. Um, Kim and I are doing fine. We're uh, we got through the holidays. Kelly uh, and Ryan here um, also doing the same. Um, we we had a you know we had a decent time and we're back on the road uh, gosh in a week or so we're going to be heading up to um the world peace conference there in in california and then uh the mental health uh big sky conference which is a, a gathering of all the the really you know feet on the ground mental health practitioners for um uh, for for many of the different conferences, but it's in it's in Montana, so we're looking forward it's to terrific, that. It's terrific. So many of us cheered for Ryan as he experienced the highs and lows <laughs> of being a true freshman starting quarterback in the SEC. How was the season for you guys? I know you guys moved from California to be closer to him in Columbia, South Carolina, right? We did. Yeah, we're here in, in Columbia. We're uh, we're out on uh, in a place called. Uh, uh, on a lake called Lake Murray uh, in Irmo, South Carolina. Uh, people here are just so much like, um, you know, the, the great great friends and, and people that we've met in the Pacific Northwest, to be honest. I mean, it's we've moved from California, but we, we've gotten some new, new friends here and terrific uh, supporters of Holinsky's Hope and uh, you know Ryan certainly and Kelly and and Kim and I, so we're we're happy to be here and uh, excited for what next year will bring. Well, what was it like for Ryan? I know he got banged up towards the end of the season, right? Yeah, he got banged up every every day. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, but no, he you know it's a it's a tough deal. You know he he got the start after Jake got hurt, which is always a tough way to inherit that uh, that position. But they they had him well prepared, and he went out and did did I thought it was terrific. You know, first part of the season had his yeah. typical freshman moments, um, both good and bad. And uh, he, like you said, he got banged up a little bit, but uh, the whole team did really. Offensively, we we lost a lot of guys here and there. So, uh, but they never lost hope. We got some new coaches in, and they're uh i can tell you they're they're back at it and uh getting the new playbook uh installed and 
working hard to, to have a good off season here in the, the winter and then get ready for spring ball. How difficult is it, Mark, for you and Kim to sit in the, um, in the stands in Columbia and watch your younger son with obviously the, the memories of, of Tyler and his time at Washington State on the football field? Yeah, it's probably harder for Kim. I mean, we we love watching Ryan play. Um, I think one of the first games when Ryan ran out of the stadium or uh, yeah, out from the the locker room onto the, into this into the stadium onto the field. Um, I think she said, you know, let's go Tyler or something, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. because it, it's just so you know they're so similar and really all three of the boys all played quarterback and it, it's. It's tough, you know. Tyler was so much fun to be around, and, and such a such a light on that team, and so much fun for us to go up and see. It's that part's hard, right? Uh, Kim has a tough time watching Ryan get banged up, and as we all do, but we we know it's part of the game, um, and we're excited for him. We we think both Kelly and Tyler deserve you know, every, every bit of happiness that they can, they can find and playing football in the SEC is something Ryan really, really enjoys. You know, you know, Mark, as we kind of parade into the new year, it really seems like mental illness, health information is kind of a rallying cry around the world. I'm someone who has experienced that darkness and shame and unwillingness to speak up and that's really the paramount message here, correct? That speaking up and finding someone to talk to is the very opposite of weak. It's the epitome of strength and courage. Well, I think you, you, you said it so well. I mean, we've some of the people we've worked with and the trainers that, that we bring to some of the campuses, one of them said it very well. And, you know, difficult or, or being tough is doing things that are, are difficult to do and and being tough about mental illness and talking about suicide and uh, bringing that to the forefront and trying to destigmatize the the conversation is really a key component. Um, and that's that's what we're doing here at Holinsky's Hope for sure. We're trying to do anyway. And Ryan's participating in his own way, Kelly in his own way. And uh, I think we're we're trying to do that. I mean, the statistic at 56% increase over the last 10 years mm suicide for 10 10 year old to 25 year old mm. um it, it's a public health crisis i mean if this had been, if this were a disease we would have every pharmacology group in the country trying to figure out how to fight it so i think i think you're exactly right it it's long coming it need it's a very complex issue it's not something we can solve overnight but we need to uh, be able to talk about it so the people suffering the most can get the help they need so desperately and part of that is is taking the stigma away and, and bringing awareness to the issue. And it is a disease. I read somewhere where you you won't use the words committed suicide when talking about Tyler. Yeah, I think it's really important. You know, words matter. And, and with all the texting and the Snapchats and the way the kids communicate these days, I think it's really important for... Uh, for leaders in this field and uh, in, in our country to, to really consider what they're saying. And the, the reason we were so against committed, you, you don't commit cancer, you don't commit ALS, you know, th- this is a disease that nobody in there, nobody wants, right? Th- th- you can't give me an example of somebody that died by suicide is in a better place. And I, and I, that is not to uh, trivialize the difficulty 
that folks with severe mental illness um, will struggle with and, and try to find their way out of that deep, dark hole um, at all. That, it's a very difficult problem to, to jump on and attack. But, you know, if you think about it, Mitch, AIDS 25 years ago was, uh, was not talked about. It was everybody was afraid of it. And we, you know, rallied uh, in, in this country and out, outside of it mm-hmm. um, on how to de- how to fight that disease and how to come up with solutions for the people that suffered. And I don't think this is that dissimilar. We're making progress in cancer. We're making progress with, with other diseases. This one is very complex and something we got to spend money and time doing. And, and our, our role at Helensky's Hope is to, is to bring about awareness and destigmatize it so those suffering can really get the help they need. Three children, three sons, Three college quarterbacks. The game has brought you guys incredible joy, but heartbreak too. And I'm wondering, you know, those familiar with the story are aware of the findings of CTE in Tyler's brain. Mark, how, how do you and Kim balance it all? The sport, the love, and whatever contributions you think the game had in Tyler's suffering? Well, I think we continue to, to sort of, uh, you know, figure out how to balance that. And, and the, the, the reality is, we don't have um, we don't have definitive proof. We we know CTE is bad. We know it's real. We know uh, that concussive blows uh, can contribute to to getting CTE. But but if you peel back a little bit, Mitch, there are so many kids um, that are dying by suicide and they're suffering from mental illness that didn't play any concussive sports in their lives, and to 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 fixate on CTE as as uh, as the cause is is not accurate for us um and, and not to say that anybody else is wrong for doing it um, but in our case we don't see the data uh in that now that's not to say that it's not a it's a difficult sport it's a challenging sport it's certainly a punishing sport um, but you learn and you you get so much from it and my kids happen to love that sport and, and it's something they continue to love Kelly and, and, uh, and Ryan, both Tyler loved it. Um, and I think Tyler would have been, um, would have been okay if he could have told somebody that he was struggling. You know, I, I think we would have absolutely no, we would have gotten him the help he needed. He'd be with us here today. So CT is bad. No, no question about it. You don't want it. Um, it's hard. It's, you can't diagnose it in the living. You can't treat it. Um, but it, there's too many people playing concussive sports and too few dying from, from suicide uh, or from CTE uh, to levy the whole thing against CTE, I'm afraid. So, so if you went back 15 years, I know there are a lot of people in our audience that have kids that are making sports decisions as we speak, Mark. If we went back 15 years in the Alinsky family, uh, knowing what you know now, would things be different with your your three football players, or no? Well, you know, I, I have. Uh, I, I'm sadly, I have the end result for one, and and Kim would have a different answer. I su- I suppose um, it's a very personal choice. You know, um, we the thing we did is we allowed all of our our kids to play as the sports that they were attracted to. You know, the ones that they were good at and the ones that they enjoyed the most. And we didn't, we didn't push them into one or pull them from a different one. Um, I'd like to think we'd be as open-minded about that today as, uh, as you know, 15 years ago, if I had to make that decision all over again, uh, I would do anything to protect Tyler. Mm. And if that meant, (laughs) 
uh, you know, locking them in a room or, or sticking them at the piano for uh-huh. 24 hours a day. I, I, I'm sad to say I probably would absolutely do that, but I don't think that's realistic. Um, I think it's important to let your kids decide the path that they want to go on and give them as much input um, as possible. And, you know, at 18, 19, 20 years old, these, these are young men that can make their own decisions. Early on in their, their sports careers, if you want to call it that, uh, we encourage them to try everything and to, to enjoy, you know, the moment and, and, and not get fixated on one. They just, the three of them happened to, to be a little bit taller than average and, and they gravitated toward uh, leading teams at the quarterback position. And I think they did a terrific job of that. And uh, I'm not so so sure we could, you know, we'd we'd make a different choice today. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I've read most of the articles and seen the TV specials on one of them, I'm not sure which one, you said something that really cut to my core, Mark. I'm paraphrasing. Um, you said something like, if this could happen to Tyler with his yeah. innate personality, his magnetism with friends and teammates, with helicopter parents closely involved, it really yeah. could happen to any kid. And like so many others, I'm sending my oldest off to college next year and it's in some ways terrifying because you lose that connection, right? And that ability to regularly look into their eyes and use that parental instinct to know if something's wrong. Relying on text messages doesn't cut it, does it? No question, Mitch. I mean, uh, you you sort of kind of re- reset that as well as you could. It It's difficult, right? Because we thought we were as close to Tyler as we are to Ryan and Kelly. Um, the, the unfortunate part for Kim and I is that we've met a lot of people since then that have lost children by suicide. And, um, you know, some athletes, many athletes, many not athletes. And uh, the story is relatively the same. You know, there, there's a lot of folks out here that are that have lost children to suicide that uh, had no um, inclination, had no warning, had no conversation. And um, again, I'm, I'm the last guy to to get advice from or, or to have a point on this on this topic I suppose because Tyler's gone but the reality is we love that kid and our, our other two more than you can more than you can imagine and it was it still is shocking today literally today when you wake up as it was almost two years ago that he's gone and it's um, it's uh, it's awful and I think the disease and, and mental health and mental wellness for our young student athletes for in particular is critically important. Um, and, and I don't know that, it, you know, it, it doesn't seem to choose between sports. We've lost swimmers and divers and golfers and baseball players. And it's, um, it's just, it, it's an absolute tragedy and you can only imagine, and I, I wouldn't wish it on my, my worst enemy that you don't want to go through this. This is, this is as bad as it gets. Tell us more. Tell all of our audience more about the opportunities that you've had to speak with college athletes in the last two years and the message that you give them. I was struck, Mark, by your quote in the L.A. Times. I think in microcosm, it really kind of speaks to the issue about how you felt a strong desire to address the Washington State team after Tyler passed away. You said, it sounds ridiculous, but I wanted the team to know that he loved them, that he wasn't weak that this wasn't, I'm tired, I'm just going to leave. Don't be mad at him. I was protecting him. Why is that? Well, I didn't want them to think less of him in death. Talk about how strong stigma the stigma can be. In, in a nutshell, 
Uh, you've been, you know, running around to different campuses and invited to different schools to talk to student athletes. Your message to them, Mark? Well, you you, you hit it. I mean, the uh, the initial impact. Um, and you said it about Tyler. Tyler loved his coaches. He loved his teammates. He loved his family and friends. You know, he he was one of the truly. I know it's nice. You say nice things about people that have passed. Tyler was every bit of that kid. You know, he was the guy everybody wanted to be around. Not because he was unique or he was just kind. He was happy. He wanted you to be happy. You know, Tyler's conversations with other people, as I observe them, were always about him asking them how they're doing. How are you feeling? How are you getting along? You know, how are you progressing in this life? Um, He always was concerned about other people. And, um, you know, maybe there's some lessons to learn in that as we get some more perspective. But, um, yeah, what what we're doing, the important part is as difficult as it is to retell Tyler's story, um, we we feel it's really important because – People think, you know, student athletes, particularly, you know, on on larger campuses with with bigger sports teams are somehow immune to this stuff. It's it's simply not. I mean, there's you know, sadly, there's just way too many kids that have gone by suicide. And as you dig in deeper into those individual stories, you find, you know, that that maybe there is a you know, there is a little bit of a. Um, uh, people recognize some changes that that may or may not have been happening. And I think what Kim and I have been trying to do on campus is to simply say, um, if if it's you that's struggling, uh, there's there's no shame in this. We got to get help. If you got an ear infection, you go to the doctor. If you break an ankle, you get to the tape room and, and, you know, you you get your x-rays and get casted up or whatever, whatever the treatment protocol is. And it should be no different for mental health. And, and that is absolutely the message we're trying to drive through. And the responses from these schools and the teams and the kids themselves is so overwhelmingly positive. Um, in many cases, there are folks struggling in that audience that we're talking to. And we talk to them afterwards and make sure that, you know, there's always a mental health practitioner when we go. So if somebody needs immediate assistance or needs to talk, that there's people to do that. But we don't have the resources, Mitch, to uh, not not Holinsky's Hope, but this country isn't. Uh, you'll have five guys that can fix an ACL, right? Yeah. You blow an ACL at any sport, yeah. you'll have the best orthopedic surgeons at your door if you're having a bad dream if you're having thoughts of death if you're have if you're struggling with depression or anxiety the the resources available to student athletes isn't where it needs to be and that again this is not to point fingers or, or but it's just something we've got to bring awareness to and if we can paint you know helmets 25 different colors and have three different uniform combinations to pick from every week we certainly can uh, employ uh, the, the necessary, you know, folks that can take care of these kids from a mental health perspective, and I think that's what we're we're simply trying to drive that point out. Do these schools, these big schools, have therapists on staff? It's a, you know, it's a spectrum. Uh, they often do. Um, some the the critical piece is to have. Uh, qualified mental health practitioners, right? So, in the in the best world, you will have a you know a sports psychologist on staff that has uh, you know has doctors working underneath him or her, and that are uh, that are not reporting to the head coach. 
that are selected by the athletic director and the administration and and have a really good uh, working relationship with both the team and and the players um, and but not everybody has that we, we've seen you know all the way from a half of one FTE at, at some of the larger pac-12 schools to full-blown a sports psychologist with a team of of uh, counselors beneath him or her to, to work so it it needs to get more attention. It needs more funding, and we need to mm. treat it just like we would. In other words, Mitch, you would never say to an ACL tear, right. uh, a, a woman or a man that has a you know that went down on the field. Uh, and I, I've said this about Tyler. If Tyler died on the field, in, you know, at the end of the Boise State game, uh, there'd be a statue. He he'd he'd be he'd live in infamy over there, right? But the fact that he died by suicide somehow has changed the perspective of the kid Tyler was while he was alive. And I think that's that's a shame. Yeah. Uh, and I think not just for my son, but for any of them that, that play sports and those that don't. You know, these, these are kids that didn't grow up at six, seven, eight years old dreaming of dying at 21 because they didn't know how to ask for help. So we're 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 going to push, you know, we're continuing to push. And I say push, we're being drawn. I, I'll be honest, we can't handle uh, the number of requests that we're getting now to get there quickly enough. So Kim and I have been very busy getting onto campus to speak with the coaches, the administrations, uh, and the players as much as we can. It's wonderful. Uh, and I'm certain, by the way, that there are those in our audience who might like to contribute to Halinski's hope in honor of Tyler as we begin 2020. What what would you say is the easiest way for somebody listening to us right now to do that? Would it be to text? Uh, there, there's text. You know, Halinski'sHope.org uh, has a donate button right on it. You can we use PayPal and, you know, it's a fairly easy process and we're so grateful for the support we've gotten that, that money continues to go to bring, uh, you know, our own programs that we're in development on, uh, currently to bring, uh, existing programs such as, uh, 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 step up, which is an NCAA approved program, uh, as well as Ross Zabo's behind happy faces. He's an incredibly engaging, uh, you know, speaker on this subject and the kids really seem to, to listen and, and able to learn. And there's training programs behind that. And we're, we're deploying those resources as quickly as they come in. So we're, we're grateful for that support and we'll continue to do that and, 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 you know, honor Tyler in the best way we can. And please remember if you or someone, you know, is exhibiting warning signs of suicide, Seek help from a professional and call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-8255. Before we finish up, Mark, is it fair for me to ask the father of a Gamecock who's going to win Clemson versus LSU in the national championship game, or should I leave that alone? No, it's, it's, you know what? Uh, there are worse questions, I, I promise you. No, you know what? Um, wow, two two really incredible teams. We're, we're sort of – Ryan and Trevor have, you know, met up on the quarterback circuit, and I don't know if you noticed, but Ty, Trevor's been wearing a Holinsky Hope band. and oh, that's great. Uh, he's an unbelievable kid, and, and they've got an incredible team. I think they're going to get every bit of uh, the competition <laughs> – um, in a week or so that they can handle. But, you know, we're pulling for the, the, the safe entertainment um, 
that that we all enjoy from college sports and in in this uh this case college football so we're we're pulling for a healthy game and for everybody to uh come in and show out and and do their best and uh, as long as everybody walks away healthy we're going to be happy with that well mark i wish there was something new something profound something original that i could say but just know that Tyler and your family will remain in all of our thoughts every college football season and parents of college-bound students and kids in that precious age range that you talked about, like me, are beyond appreciative of the work that your family continues to do. I wish you and Kim and the boys and all of your friends and relatives all the very best and a happy new year. Thanks for being on Mitch Unfiltered. We very much appreciate it, Mark. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much, Mitch. Wow, the Holinsky family really becoming a force to be reckoned with when it comes to the issue of mental health on college campuses and with student-athletes. The true definition of strength and courage, speaking up if you're dealing with sadness or darkness, you are not alone, trust me. HolinskyHope.org, H-I-L-I-N-S-K-I, Hope.org. Have you checked into saving lots of money in 2020 on your monthly mortgage payments? Do what my executive producer Steve Dion did and dial up Jordan Flowers' team at the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. Yeah, I gave uh, Jordan a buzz in uh, late July. Um, was interested to get a uh, quote on a refi, um, just the way the market has been with, with interest rates dropping as they have. Kind of tailored a, a mortgage around my preferences. One of the main parts that was appealing was the fact that he was able to cut out my mortgage insurance. Uh, he bought that out completely, um, really consolidated the loan into one clean monthly payment, amortized over a shorter time horizon and at a lower rate. Really easy process. You know, I'm working with Jordan and Christina there. Not not bad for a coog, you know. I I was uh, hesitant to put my uh, put my dollars and cents into uh, the hands of a, a Wazoo grad, but you know it all turned out t- turned out well thus far. From beginning to end, Steve. How long did it take? Took about a month total. How long was the first phone conversation until you determined what you could save per month? It's about a 15-minute call. When you include the mortgage insurance, how much less are you paying per month now on a percentage basis thanks to the refi with the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage? I'm paying about 8 to 10% less a month. On top of that, uh, we'll be paying for five less years. So it's kind of a win-win on both both sides. So my line on the podcast that you're crazy not to call the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage with the low interest rates at the moment, just to find out what you could be saving in a refinance is on point. Well, it, it's valid unless you want to spend more money every month. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> oh, and Mitch, one last thing. Where's my tumbler? <laughs> There it is. Stop standing on the sidelines. Guild Mortgage and the Kirkland office at 425-250-3150. Unfiltered. Carter. Here's, here's the front. Carter for the lead. He got it! Timeout called by Hopkins. Smith puts his head down, dribbles in a triple team. Kyman picks it! Kyman has been doing work all night. Maybe tonight changes things as the Bruins 
come to Montlake. And they stun the Huskies 66-64. McDaniels throwing down the hammer. Well, three out of one. Green gives it up. And the two have flushed him all day. We were really lucky to, to play well tonight when they didn't have their best game, and that's that's probably a little bit of us, but sometimes that happens. Um, but um, they're, they're a, a heck of a basketball team. It was a great win. Episode 73 continues, and it's not all about the Seahawks. It's not all about the NFL. We are now knee-deep in conference play in college basketball, and our man on the spot, Stadium Sports, Jeff Goodman, the Good and Plenty podcast, and Goodman Hoops on Twitter. He's been traveling along the West Coast, and he his travels even brought him right here to the Pacific Northwest. I was shocked when I read on your Twitter feed, Jeff, that you had never been to Heckhead. Is that right? I had never been to the city of Seattle. Wow. How about that? How is that possible? You're, you, you're an Arizona guy. You went to the University of Arizona, I, right? I, I know. I, I You know, the thing was, I, I've always seen UW on the road. You know, I've always seen him, whether it's at Arizona, uh, in L.A., at UCLA or USC, uh, or even on the East Coast sometimes, So, I, it, or, or events, you know, tournaments. So I've never been to the city of Seattle, and uh, I was there for two days and vowed to take my family back uh, when the weather breaks because uh, it, it was it, we saw I saw the sun for about two hours. Um, it was it was gorgeous, uh, but I spent a lot of time indoors uh, because I watched the uh, dreadful UCLA loss, and then I sat down with Isaiah Stewart, Jade McDaniel's, uh, Mike Hopkins for uh, for a good portion of of the next afternoon. All right, so tell me about your day with the. Uh... The precocious freshman and the former Syracuse assistant. What was that like for you, Jeff? Listen, uh, there aren't too many kids that can blow me away anymore. You know, I've interviewed so many kids, whether it's high school, college, pro. Um, Isaiah Stewart blew me away. Yeah. I mean, that kid is ridiculous. He, he, he is so mature. As great a player as he is, and we've talked about it, I, I think he's one of the elite players in the country. There's no way if I'm an NBA GM, I'm allowing him to slip out of the top 10 when I'm drafting. But he is a better kid than he is as a player. I mean, that kid absolutely is is phenomenal. Uh, his humility, his honesty, his approach, everything. I mean, again, on the court, you could talk all day. The kid just plays so damn hard. And then, again, off the court, I, I, I love him. I just love him. He, might be my favorite player in the country. And Jade McDaniels, um, a better interview than I thought he'd be. I thought he'd be a little bit more quiet than he was, and especially after that game. You know, I, I thought I was in trouble because, I mean, he had a pitiful game. He picked up the technical, throwing the ball back at, at the UCLA player. Hagan hit him with the tee, and, uh, and he was terrible. I thought I was in for a long, long interview, but he was terrific too. Stewart's game is old-fashioned. Does it uh, translate to the 2020 version, this decade's version of the NBA, Jeff? Well, how good is DeMontis Sabonis good. For, for the Pacers? Really good. Pretty damn good, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah but he's that, bigger. That's, he's that's he's bigger, isn't he? Stewart isn't is. he taller than Stewart or no? Uh, Stewart's longer, though. Okay. Stewart's 7'4 wingspan. That's what they care about. They really don't care about height as much as they do really about wingspan. Um, as much as anything, it's, it's where you can reach. You know, it's not where your head is. It's where you can reach up to. That's the key. 
He, he's very long, um, and he's similar. I mean, Sabonis had that same motor, and I remember seeing him when he worked out for the Celtics, and he hit 65 of 100 threes, and I looked at him. I was like, whoa, where did that come from? And he said, yeah, I didn't even shoot it that well. And, and I think Stewart has the same work ethic, and he knows where his bread is buttered, where his team needs him to be effective right now in college, and I think he'll be able to, to work and kind of stretch his shot out and stretch his range out um, as his NBA career goes along. Jeff Goodman is our guest, brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions. Start your search for a fireplace with FiresideHomeSolutions.com. You mentioned the UCLA game. Since the last time you and I spoke, Jeff, they had a shot for a pretty good, solid non-conference win against Houston, led the game the whole way, and then lost it at the end. That was a quad one. That was a quad one opportunity. Then they lost to UCLA, which seemed like a crusher. But then on Sunday night, they came out. I guess they were mad, and the zone really worked, and they beat USC by something like 35 or 40 points. So... When you put it all into the blender and it spits it out of the machine, the Goodman machine, and it spits it out, where's Washington right now? Yeah, it was a bad three-game stretch. Bad three. I know they pounded USC, um, but ultimately, it, you really, if you want to be a team that's that's working to win the, the Pac-12, um, you've got to beat UCLA at home. I mean, there's just no excuse for that whatsoever. Uh, they kind of laid an egg. UCLA came out and played hard. They were coming off a loss to Cal State Fullerton. They had some time to prepare. They did. Uh, the Houston loss, it was a bad loss because they had it. Uh, but it's not going to be a bad loss at the end of the day because Kelvin Sampson's probably going to have Houston in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. But the one to UCLA was 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 not of the quality uh, variety by any means. Uh, you can't split those two at home. you got to win them both. So where are we on the Pac-12 right now? Give me a snapshot. Give me a, a good and plenty uh, snapshot of the Pac-12 as of the first week of January. I still think Oregon's the best team, and I think Sean Miller agrees with me. I've been in Tucson the last two days and uh, and saw them ob- obliterate Arizona State. I mean, absolutely crush them. So I would say Oregon one. I would go Arizona two, and Arizona's ceiling is extremely high because their top three players are all freshmen. And then I would, I still think Washington is, is going to be three. I don't know if they're three today, but Colorado had a bad loss. So I think, you know, you could put those, you know, those two are pretty close. And then, you know, there's not a huge gap to the next year. And then obviously the bottom, you've got Washington State, yeah. you've got Cal. Yeah. Uh, those, are, those are your two at the bottom. Stanford, I'm still not sure of Stanford. They put themselves in a decent situation right now coming out of non-conference play. But I just don't know what to make of them yet. Something like four or five bids, you think, at this point? I think they'll get five. I do. I think they'll end up getting five because somebody, you know, at least you got four teams that I think are, are, are resume-type wins. So I, I think a fifth team will emerge. But right now, I think if the season ended today, you'd have four uh, pretty much a lock. I think Washington's in. I just think their seed right now is probably in the 10 range. Hey, Jeff, in the last two weeks, since you and I spoke on this podcast last, uh, I, I I think I have this right. The last two weeks, number one has lost, two has lost, three, four, five, six, seven has lost, nine has lost twice, 10 has lost, 12 has lost, 13 has lost, and 16 has lost. And we have Gonzaga at the top, and we all just assumed that they would stay there forever because they're not going to play anybody anymore, and yet they went out 
and I believe trailed both Portland and Pepperdine right. in the second right. half. Uh, yeah. What's what's uh, Je- what's Jeff Goodman's uh, thoughts on college basketball right about now? You know, the same as it's been, and every coach I talk to agrees with me that that you know it's just it's a year that it's kind of been in the making for years. It's gone this direction to parity, and and I don't know how how often you and I have talked about this, but I think the biggest reason is because you've got kids leaving now, um, not when they're lottery picks not even when the first-round picks, but yeah. if they're drafted in the second round or even undrafted, kids are bolting. So you've got teams, you know, like Houston's a good example. Houston had a kid that um, Armani Burks that left early, wasn't even drafted. Uh, if he comes back to Houston, you're talking about them being much better than they are, you know, maybe a top-ten team. And there's several, several examples of that um, all around the country. So I think that's your biggest reason why you're, you're seeing more parity and just – there's no great team. I mean, like, I looked at Arizona, and I'm saying to myself, sure, Arizona could be a Final Four team. They've got a really good point guard in Nico Mannion. They've got a terrific big man in Zeke Naji. They've got a great wing in Josh Green. And they've got defined roles with the other guys, the Chase Jeters, uh, the Max Hazards who came in as a grad transfer, Dylan Smith who came in as a transfer a couple of years ago. So I actually think Sean Miller's got a team that, they haven't done anything yet, so I haven't even ranked them. They're not even top 25 today for me. But ultimately, I think their ceiling is very, very high. Isn't isn't the fact that everybody's bolting early just half of the equation, the other half being, Jeff, that the incoming freshmen that all you know went to Kentucky and Duke, this is not – I don't mean any disrespect towards these players, but uh, you know, with, with the kid at North Carolina out, it doesn't seem like – it's an impactful, as impactful a set of freshmen that can take teams and put them on their shoulders as we've seen in the last many years. Yeah, 100%. And then if you throw Isaiah Stewart on, on Kentucky, it's a different ball game, right? Uh, then then yeah. Kentucky becomes a team that, yeah. oh, my God, all right, that, that's kind of what they're, they're missing a little bit. Um, a lot of the top players did not go to Duke and Kentucky, so we're not seeing the Blue Bloods being quite as strong, and that opens it up. Fireside Home Solutions uh, presents Jeff Goodman. Before you go, a couple of quick hitters. I need a couple of quick thoughts on three items. Number one, all-decade team. Goodman's good and plenty all-decade team up to 2019. What do you have? Player-wise? Yeah. What did I have? I had uh, Jalen Brunson was my all-decade player. Okay. Uh, Kemba Walker was on the team. Anthony Davis was on the team. Doug McDermott was on the team. And then Frank, uh, Frank Kaminsky, Frank Kaminsky, big right? Frank, who, who, who's kind of dear to my heart. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Frank Kaminsky fan. Um, he was on there, too. I mean, he took him to two final fours at Wisconsin. So those were my five guys. What do you think of Fox College basketball playing the NBA on NBC theme song? It's bothering me. Every time I watch Fox, I, I, I think back to Marv Albert calling <laughs> Marv Albert and, 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 and Bill and Bill Walton on the uh, on the Bulls and whatever. I, I, I don't I don't it's a, I don't have college basketball when I hear that NBA theme song. What do you think? That is kind of weird. Did you see my uh, my picture that I tweeted of, of Bill, of Bill yeah, and, and I did. Tucson? Yeah, I did. He brings his own water bottles. He travels <laughs> with his own water bottles. He is the nicest human, but maybe the weirdest human also. <laughs> and final question for Jeff Goodman. The shorts, 
They're getting higher and higher. Isaiah, you mentioned Isaiah Stewart. He's wearing shorts that John Stockton would blush about. <laughs> are you okay with Have the? You, are you okay with the rising, the rising no, shorts? No, 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 <laughs> hell no. I no, I don't like it at all. I, I like the baggy shorts. Um, even though I'm old, I still wear the baggy shorts. And and if you want to look at somebody that really goes with the short shorts. Uh, watch Memphis freshman Lester Kenyon. Oh, yeah, I know. He, and he rolls them up to make him even shorter. Oh, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Now, are you, a, are you a, a baggy shorts guy like the Fab Five? Baggy? I mean, those things went down to their ankles for good. Or is that too long? That's too- Yeah, I'm not, I'm not that baggy. But, yeah, I, I don't. I don't understand how that's comfortable when you go short shorts like that. I, I, I need room to breathe. All right, Jeff Goodman. Thank you very, very much. Great to visit with you again. We'll we'll talk in a couple of weeks' time. Happy and healthy New Year to you and your family. Thank you, You Jeff. You too, my man. We'll talk soon. Thank you. There's my guy, Jeff Goodman, one of the voices, one of the faces of college basketball for Stadium Sports, longtime ESPN college basketball guy on the Huskies, the Pac-12, and just the overall weirdness of college basketball this season. What a couple of months it's going to be. This whole Mitch Unfiltered podcast experience has been beyond humbling for many reasons. From the obvious of trying to rebound and get up with some accountability and some level of dignity to the not so obvious of companies like John Waterstott's Fireside Home Solutions summoning me to their Bellevue flagship location to tell me how eager they are to partner up with Unfiltered during the football season. Peter King and Brady Henderson, Rick Neuheisel and Jason Lockenfora, the voices that have brought expertise, information and downright fun to this show are all thanks to Fireside Home Solutions. Every time I drive into my neighborhood and I see a Fireside Home Solutions van sitting in a driveway, which, by the way, is happening more and more these days, a big smile comes to my face. Whether it's a new energy-efficient fireplace this winter, a new set of garage doors, or even a high-end barbecue setup, the first call you should make, Fireside Home Solutions, or just dial them up at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. They'll come straight to your home and work with you, the perfect scenario, the perfect plan for you and your budget. Happy and healthy new year from Fireside Home Solutions. Unfiltered. segment episode number 73 we'll name it at the end and get the hell out of here uh, you got the studio audience to take home it's a weeknight it's yeah, a school night i got a feel oh school night you remember that it's a school oh, night we're back to school nights brutal. as we record this but i do have some other stuff that i'd like yep. to throw at you maybe you have some other stuff got a few things the other nfl games oh uh, you know patriots are one and done i feel so terrible you know hotshot loves wildcard weekend and did it disappoint no it was great. Arguably the greatest wild card weekend I've ever well, seen. Well, I, I never argue that the games aren't good on wild card weekend. What I always argued is how much do the games matter? Because we find out next weekend <laughs> yeah, when the big whether, boys come uh, whether all of these teams that <laughs> right. just the that Titans. just entertained us, yeah. whether it was just a bunch of nothing. Whatever, though. It's a, at least they get their, their moment in the sun. They get one game. They did. It was and a I blast. really feel badly for Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, <laughs> and the New York Patriots. I really feel badly. I, I was rooting for that game like the Seahawks were playing. Like, I couldn't I, – I went on the message board. I saw the funniest comments on the Patriots message boards. It was – a lot of them said, I can't believe we're going to lose to this team by a point. And I was thinking to myself, just wait for it. Just <laughs> wait for it. It gets worse than a point. I mean, is that why we love sports or what? That guy, he drops that easy pick six in the – 
and then he gets one in the second. Amazing, right? So fun. Why we love sports of that game is Ryan Tannehill. My guy, Ryan Tannehill. I always liked him in Miami when people hated him. The Dolphins took a look at him and said, we don't need that around here. Ryan Tannehill was drafted in the same year as what other quarterback that you know of? I remember. I remember as Russell Wilson because I remember somebody pointing out that Ryan Tannehill had more passes batted down than a 5'11 Russell Wilson. So I'll always remember he was Ryan Tannehill, the wide receiver in college. When he first went to college, he was a wide receiver at Texas A&M. And I just thought he got the he just got the short end of the stick in Miami. People just bailed on him. He got hurt all the time. But he just showed me something. I always liked for some I was like the the only guy on the Ryan Tannehill bandwagon when he was losing games in Miami. That guy just beat the Patriots so in great. Foxborough and they're into the second round. Derrick Henry is like a monster. Nobody can tackle him. I could not Nobody can tackle Derrick Henry. I couldn't enjoy watching him anymore run the ball. <laughs> I, I I was like marveling it. By the way, their offensive line gets pushed. He's always going downhill. I loved it. So is that Tom Brady's last pass ever? He's done. Tom Brady's retiring. No, he's done in New England. You think so? He's going to play next year. His last pass ever in New England is a pick six. After all the passes that guy's made. He's going to play on the West Coast next year. Hmm. I just called the the waitress over. (laughs) Because they have waitresses (laughs) at Taco Time. Uh, West Coast, as in California or? Because I was thinking maybe Denver, Elway would would go for no, him? but they have but they have a good good young quarterback there now. They're excited about their new York oh, quarterback. Oh, they are okay. Uh, I don't know. I I, I you know like a, I guess San Diego is or Los Angeles. I guess Philip Rivers is still around. I just feel like he's a West Coast guy. Isn't he a California kid? Yeah, he's oh, a yeah. California he's kid. He's a Northern California guy. I think he'll be playing next year somewhere and it won't be Foxborough. Hmm. And that is going to be the weirdest scene ever when he runs out on the field in week 1 and you get the you are looking live. It's not Brent Musburger anymore. <laughs> I wish. Not Brent Musburger anymore, <laughs> but but it's still the same thing, you know, you're going to turn on the pregame show and they're going to be showing you live footage of Tom Brady warming up for like, I don't know, Chargers the or Chargers in the, in the bolts. And it's going to be, what? Yeah. And I remember, as you do too, when Joe Montana came out as a chief. Didn't look right. Just and and there, there are right. different examples of that. You can go oh, way yeah. back to Johnny Unitas and the Chargers. You know, you can go. You can OJ is a Niner. Yeah, the, I mean, you can do it. I'm talking quarterbacks. Oh, quarterbacks. I yeah. mean, the greatest of all greats obviously stayed at their own team the whole That's time. Right. <laughs> yes, Dave Craig. You there, are there, correct. There are certain guys <laughs> that just were the greatest of greats. They just would never put you through that. Never put on another jersey because they were just the best of all time. And you know, some of them were number thirteen, but. Tom Brady in any uniform other than a Patriots uniform, what is that going to look like in week one or the preseason? Whenever you see it for the first time, yeah, it's gonna be him so in a weird. different uniform. Do you think Belichick's gone? I think he's going to uh, stick around. I think he'll stick around. Not going to go to Dallas? Not going to go. Jerry Jones? Not nah, going to run a huge no, check? No, no, no. Bill Belichick's going to be coaching the Patriots next year. And let's just hope that Tom Brady, whatever team he goes to, is playing the Patriots. Well, what if it's Indianapolis? Do they like their quarterback there? How great would that be? Let's put them right in the division. They get to play. Oh, wait, Jacoby no, Brissett? Not in the division. No, they're not in the division. Nah. But they do seem to play every year. Yeah, it yeah. does seem that way. Uh, Deshaun Watson's escape. Oh, I saw someone on Twitter say, did we just witness one of the top 10 throws of all time? And I don't know if that's a little dramatic. Well, I don't know. You know, the throw considering itself what was, was a short throw. It was a short though. throw, but he got away. Yeah, and it, and it turned out to be the game-winning throw. Amazing. The escape was pretty interesting. I, I don't want to. Sh- I don't want to be the guy to shoot holes into the escape because it was an unbelievable escape. But you know, he got hit twice. Boom, boom, right from both sides. Yeah. Did it look to you like the second hit? Boom, boom, kind of helped him stay up. Oh, stabilized him a yeah. bit. One knocked him down. One knocked him up. <laughs> if you go back and you look at that, 
if I asked you whether he would have stayed up had he only been hit by the first guy, what would your answer have been? I think he goes down. I think the only – and again, this is kind of like yeah, it's here's, Mitch, yeah, yeah, here's yeah. Mitch nitpicking one of the great escapes <laughs> right. of all time in a playoff game to win the game. But it just seemed like boom, boom. The second boom – Kind of helped him stay up. Gotcha. And then he, yeah. then he got out and threw the pass. Still fun to watch, though. Still amazing. Now, what about, did the Saints get screwed again by the refs? Yeah, yeah they did. Did they? Yeah, Because they New York looked at it, although we can't really trust what those guys say clearly, and they said there wasn't enough to overturn it. But did they get screwed? Was that, uh, who was the, was that the tight end? Yeah, uh, did, it was Mason, Ru- it was Rudolph. Rudolph. Did, not Mason Rudolph. It was, uh, yeah, Rudolph, the tight end from did Minnesota. He, yeah. Did he push off? Yeah. It looked oh, like yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He did, and again, oh my gosh. I, again, the indictment is and going back to the four. I don't want. I've already, I've already been accused of killing the dead horse forty-seven times on Twitter, okay. so I'll, I'll do it a forty-eighth time. The issue is, and I, everybody says, oh, they review all the plays. They review all the plays. No, no. What they do is in New York, they look at plays in the in-between time, the thirty seconds that they have between the end of the play and the beginning of the next play. They have the right, obviously, to stop the game. And instead of just looking at it for 30 seconds, yeah. to look at it for a couple of minutes, right? Yeah. They didn't do that. And that was my issue with the Seahawks 49ers play more than anything. The Hollister play more than anything. For them to, for them to try to tell us, the, the head of officiating, Al Riveron, to try to say, no, 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 we, we, we reviewed the play. We review every play in the final two minutes. And we didn't think it rose to the level of something that was pass interference. No, no. But did it rise to the level? Was it high enough to stop the game and look at all the different angles a number of times and let the official on the on the field come over and look in the tablet? Was it was it did it because that standard is a lot less than the standard of overturn. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand that the standard of overturning it has is to be really, huge. really, really yeah. huge, and they've made it they've made it known that it is. But the standard to just stop the game and watch it over and over yeah. again and let the official on the on the field, see it on the t- – that should be a, a pretty low standard, especially at the end of a playoff game. Game-winning pass. That's, to me, that's the that's issue. That's the issue. That's the issue. That's the issue. Over getting it wrong, the oh, issue, yeah. They won't stop the freaking game and, and look at it a bunch of times. Yeah. Even though they'll say, yo, we reviewed it. Well, you didn't review it the way you review it when you stop a game. They don't do that. That's my, my issue. Poor Saints. I just want to call out Taysom Hill, that kid for New Orleans. How fun is that? He's Undrafted. Tough. He's tough. Played quarterback at like BYU. He's, he's going to be great at the picnic, the, the season-ending <laughs> picnic. I mean, he's special, that they're guy. They're out. I, it's crazy that they're the out. Saints are it? out again. I love it. It's so great. <laughs> the Saints are, the Seahawks it, Saints. could host the Vikings for the NFC Championship game. How about that? Amazing. But I just that Taysom Hill kid was so impressive. He throws that the long pass, yeah. and then he catches one. He, Are we going to be rooting uh, for the Minnesota Vikings against the San Francisco 49ers on Saturday before we even see the Seahawks take the field against Green Bay? Uh, I'm rooting we, for the Vikings like they're the Seahawks uh, at this point. It's funny because when you say Vikings 49ers playoff game, I think of an old hometown guy. When I was a little kid, I grew up in a town where there was a guy that was playing about seven, eight minutes from my home, high school football. Okay. His name was Anthony Carter. Do you remember Anthony Carter? AC. Ohio AC. State, maybe? Yeah. No, Michigan. Number one at Michigan. Right. Finished third. Michigan. But he went to the Vikings. Went to the Vikings. Yes, he yes. was actually drafted by the Dolphins. It's a long story, but he was drafted oh, by the okay. Dolphins. He went to the USFL. He played for the Michigan Panthers of the USFL oh, before he went to the NFL. Anyway, when I was a kid, it was 
the thrill of my week when my dad would take me to go see Suncoast High School football. Suncoast was the was the rival of my brother's high school. My brothers went to a different school than I did. Okay. And they were the same age as AC, pretty much the same age as AC. They were a little older than AC. And AC played both basketball and football. He was an unbelievable basketball player, sure. and he was an unbelievable football player, but he was like the world's greatest football player I'd ever seen. And I would be like... 10 years old or 12 years old and my dad would take me on a Friday night to go watch Anthony Carter play at Suncoast High School and I kid you not he would go out at a high school game he would go out wide and the team would have three guys standing there and he'd still get open blow by all of them or whatever and then he went to Michigan he was the great one of the greatest wide receivers to play at Michigan he was the first guy to wear number one he made that fashionable Mm. he nearly won the Heisman Trophy he's like a finished like third or fourth or fifth in the Heisman Trophy he was great and then he went off to the NFL to the USFL and then the NFL his greatest game as a Viking look it up this week at some point when you're at Microsoft job and you don't have anything to do (laughs) look up his great AC's greatest game I want you to promise me you're gonna look it up all right okay and you're gonna find that it was one of the greatest at the time, maybe the greatest in the history of the NFL ever wide receiver performance in a playoff game. And it happened at Candlestick Park in San Francisco. So when I every time I think about <laughs> Saturday, this Saturday, rooting for the Vikings over the 49ers, I think AC, he was uh, in that game, I, I think he had like, go look it up, okay. like 250 yards receiving. He had, at the time, it was the greatest performance by a wide receiver it was him against jerry rice oh gotcha yeah and he just lit and chris carter i think was on the other side and he just well he made every catch in the world and he was my home he was my hometown hero who was throwing to him back then mm. in that game that's not, not randall it's like randall was after no that. no yeah, no yeah. no no it would be like tommy kramer it would oh, okay. you remember tommy kramer yeah, yeah, yeah. it'd be like it'd be like uh <laughs> oh it'd be like uh you i got I the answer my, right <laughs> I don't know. I don't think people heard that. Okay. I think that was just in our heads. Right. Anyway, I mm. wanted to mention that when I think Vikings 49ers, I think AC. I don't even know. You asked me what year it was. It was yeah. in the, I'll look it up. It was up. in the 80s. He was a beast, though. I remember him. He was <sighs> so good, Anthony Carter. And then they weirdly got Chris Carter. It's like, yeah. Like, oh, they're both Anthony like the best Carter. receivers. He was in the game. so electric. He was so fun to watch. All right. All right. So Pats lose. That was awesome. Yep. The Saints got screwed again. Yep. Mike Zimmer, does, he, does his face look like. You know when you see him on the sidelines of Minnesota, yeah, he looks yeah. freezing cold? Yeah. Did his face still look freezing cold he always to you? looks freezing cold. What is that? He's got eye issues. It's bright red, though. He's got really, face. really bad eye issues. It oh, got is to that the, right? Oh, yeah. Mike He's had, like, tons of surgeries on his eyes, and it got so bad one time that there was talk that they weren't going to allow him on the sidelines anymore of a game. That's how bad his eye is. Whoa, I don't don't I ask me what he's got. I don't I don't know exactly the he's got terrible terrible eye issues. I think he wears does he wear some protection? He wears glasses at least. Yeah. I remember when he had so his red. last surgery there was like speculation that they may not want it may be just too dangerous to get hit by somebody like a, a player comes barreling into him with with his eye issues. But yeah, he always does. He always looks like he's got a little frostbite going yeah, on. Always there. frostbite. Yeah. I don't know why that is. He's still going to be playing. He'll have it in San Francisco. <laughs> All right, a couple more, and then we'll get out of here. We'll name the show. Uh, a couple of passings. Okay. Since the last time you and I were together. David Stern. Don't, don't look at me like that. David Stern. People pass away, I've told you. I don't know what, uh, yeah, he passed away. I mean, they say he's the greatest NBA commissioner of all time, right? Oh, he's one of the... No, nothing to do maybe with Michael the, Jordan maybe and Larry the, Bird and Magic Johnson. Oh, yeah, here you go. Nothing to do with that, right? I mean, I could have run the league at that point. <sighs> he did a hell of a job. 
He's beloved just about everywhere except for like one town. There's one town that yeah. people are just bashing him and his memory. Yeah. Were you com- so you're 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 completely comfortable. You read all the stuff on Twitter, right? I'm not bashing him. I'm just a lot of people are. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. There's a lot of good riddance out there, yeah. and I just can't go there. I don't have it in me to say good riddance. I, but... I just I, I don't I can't go there. But there's a lot of that going on in Seattle. He affected a lot of people's lives, not just fans, but what what if you owned a restaurant near Key Arena? I mean, he, he, he was instrumental in making sure the Sonics went to Oklahoma City. I, I don't have any love for him. I'm not rooting for him to die. I don't want to pee on his grave. How about but, condolences? You know, Are you offering condolences? To his family? Yeah. No. I, no, I, I don't know him. I don't a know his family. A wife lost it. Well, I mean, we offer condolences to people all the time yeah. that we don't know. Uh, he made wife lost a husband. Yeah. Kids lost a father. Grandkids lost a grandfather if there were any grandkids. Doesn't do anything for you. Tex Watson, Charles Manson's henchman, sired four kids in prison. He's got kids too. I mean, should I not? Should I feel? Should I offer condolences when, when he dies? Wow, you're comparing. Yep, I am comparing David Stern to Tex Watson from the Charles Manson family. Yeah, I, I don't know. He he affected a lot of people. He's you know people look at him as somebody who screwed over a lot of people in Seattle, and it's not just my love of the NBA, but he affected employees of the Sonics, employees of Key Arena, people who own businesses around there. I, I, no, I don't, I'm not going to offer any condolences. He How made about Sam Weish? Will you offer condolences oh. to Sam Weish's family? He was 74 years old. This though. isn't Cleveland. Is one of the greatest December lines. 10th, 1989. Bengals against? The Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks. Amazing. What was, being thrown, what was being thrown on the field? I don't remember. Snowballs. Oh, is that right? <laughs> In Cincinnati? Oh, my God. They were being thrown. Snowballs were being thrown out. <laughs> And he said to the, to the official, the head official, whatever, the umpire, he said to him, do you want me to say something to the crowd? And he said, yeah, if you think it'll help, go do it. He had to go across the field. Now, think about unheard of and why, why this will – nothing, anything like this will ever happen again. He went across the field in the middle of the game. They stopped the game so that Sam Weish could go across the entire field to go over to the Seahawks sidelines. Why? Because the microphone – to address because the PA announcer in the time in Cincinnati was on the field. He wasn't upstairs. Well, I was wondering who has a hot mic on the field. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> oh my God. The PA announcer, instead of being up in the booth, he was doing it from the sidelines. Crazy. And Sam Weish knew it. And Sam Weish said to the umpire, you know what? Our guy does it. It's weird here. We do it on the side. You want me to go over there and talk to the crowd? Yeah. And they said, yeah. And he ran, he, they stopped the game and he all because of snowball. Right. Right. And he threw and he ran across the field Picked up the mic, and as he says, I had no idea what I was going to say. Oh, really? No idea what I was going to say. <laughs> but when he said it, I would have listened. He sounded like a coach, didn't he? Well, the he? next person that sees anybody throw anything onto the field, point them out. We'll get them out of here. You don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati. <laughs> and the place went nuts. Yeah, it was so great. And something, <laughs> uh, just the idea of an NFL coach in the middle of a game Stopping the game and talking to the crowd. I mean, what, yeah, you yep. know, just imagine. It's just, it's just, it's like Saturday Night Live. That's right. It'll never happen again. Never ever. No, I saw only but great things about him on Twitter. Everyone oh, seemed to really love. I him. I interviewed him a, a lot of times. Is that right? Yeah. In fact, I was going to tell you the rest of that story that people don't know about his making amends with Cleveland after he did that, but I kind of want to hold it for seventy-three because I'm trying to get a guy on who knew Sam Weish and will tell the story better than I will. Oh, for 73P. 73P. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Because there's more to that story. Oh, great. 
I want to hear how it. he makes it up to Cleveland and how Cleveland loved him. Oh, interesting. Even as the Cincinnati head coach who made that little quip about Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. He made it up to him the next offseason. I don't want to tell you what he did, but he did something to make it up for him. It's a great tease. He's great. I can't wait to hear. Well, He's great. He was great. So colorful. Going to be missed. Such a wonderful guy. Had a heart transplant. Yeah, I didn't know that. Just great NFL guy. You know, great football guy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas, the Husky, former Husky Isaiah yeah, Thomas. Yeah, he's in trouble all the time now. But he got ejected for 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 shoving a, an official like twelve seconds into the game. I mean, I, you know, it's fun to laugh at, but the guy did lose his sister tragically a couple years ago on yeah, I oh, yeah. uh, accident oh, yeah. on I five in oh, Federal yeah. Way. Oh yeah. So part of me's like thinking, is this guy? Is he? Does he need to? You know, do we need to address something going on? He, he's getting into a lot of trouble. Well, and I'm wondering I, if he's going through look at, some stuff. Well, now look at this. First of all, look at you got to look at the situations, isolated situations. First of all, the dude was calling him an mf'er. Yeah, double middle fingers. Yeah, no, yeah, and, yeah. come on, the guy was going crazy at him for making a free throw at the end of a game that was decided because he missed because he lost a frosty. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's first of all, and the second of all, the, you saw the highlight. He barely. I mean, yeah, maybe he shoved the guy. It didn't look so. Fla- I I wouldn't go overboard with. Okay doing psychoanalysis. I just of, hope he's doing okay Isaiah. because I, he seems like he's getting into some incidents. Let's here. end with, before I get to the uh, the athlete that we'll name the show after, hold hold the rest for 73P. Okay. We've gone long enough. Uh, I've got a number of different things too that I didn't get to, but I do want to mention Athlete of the Week. Do you have any recommendations for Athlete of the Week? I don't. Did you see the video that I posted from last night, I guess it would be Saturday night, of the dude making the putt at the Baylor game. Have it on my list. I did see that. I haven't, <laughs> I've yet to see a great, like, I, I, I want a video of, I just saw kind of the end of it. Oh, I don't, is there a good God. video of it out there? Like, from the very beginning, you can see the length and everything? Please go to my, go okay. to my Twitter. Yeah, it's the one that I tweeted. I didn't know you tweeted it. From yeah. the beginning, when he, he's warming up. Now you tell you the whole putt. You tell me as a well, guy. How far who, is it? How long is a uh, basketball court? Ninety-four feet, I yeah, think. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's ninety-four. So I think he, hit, I think he hit that putt ninety-seven feet for five grand. But he has to go. There's an incline <laughs> at the end too, so he has to hit it hard enough, oh, but not too hard. Oh, it, it was. Come on. If you, how had a, could you only give that guy five? I grand? know. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> but doesn't he deserve at least a, a portion of the athlete of the week? Ask me his name. What's his name? I got no earthly idea. But he, he's he's got to have a little yeah. of the athlete of the week. For sure. That's one of the great, of all the great plays we saw I was this gonna, weekend. I was going to give him the whole athlete of the week. But okay. then I just decided to give the whole Ohio University football team a portion. Give him half and give okay. the, the Ohio University football team the other half of the athlete of the week. Ask me why. Ohio University. Yes. That's, by the way, what my wife calls Ohio State all the time. Yes, Drives me Ohio. nuts. <laughs> no. Oh, did like, Ohio win? I think this is the Bobcats, Ohio University. You know, this is like Gary Trent. Do you remember Gary Trent? The, uh, I think he went to Ohio. Anyway, I, may, I may be Gary Trent, about NBA? Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. he went to Ohio University. Okay. Uh, no, I have no idea what, what happened to them. They played in a bowl game. Okay. They played in the, uh, the Idaho Potato Bowl. <laughs> Where would you think the Idaho Potato Bowl would be played? I'm guessing somewhere in Idaho. It would be Boise, Idaho on okay. the blue field. All right. I don't even know who they play, but that's not why they get athlete of the week. They okay. get a portion with the putter, the guy that made the putt. When they, when they salted the game away, they did exactly what you would think they would do. They took a big Gatorade deal and they poured it over the head of their coach. Okay. French fries. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Really? <laughs> Have you seen the highlight? I haven't seen the highlight. Oh, the highlight's fantastic. There's so much going on in the weekends, it's hard to see everything. That's so funny. They they surprised him by dumping a Gatorade can, can, canister of 
French fries over the guy's head. It was classic. I would have ran down with some ketchup <laughs> and gotten on that, man. So the Ohio University football team and the putter. The putter. That's all we know. I'm sure the coach, by the way, loved the fact that it wasn't ice cold Gatorade no, or it water. Wasn't. It was hot fries with salt and, <laughs> and vinegar. I don't know. I love it. What do you dip your fries in, by the way? Uh, I, I would go with tartar sauce. Or blue cheese. I'm not really a ketchup guy. Really? Yeah, if I had to choose. Okay. I mean, but again, I don't hate ketchup. I just, I'd, I'd go blue cheese probably. Okay. Episode 73 is not episode Ray Roberts. It's not episode Norm Evans. It's not episode Doug Martin. Okay. Um, that leaves us with really, there's there's two guys that I think really are duking it out for episode oh, 73. Okay. And they're two offensive linemen. Two guys you should remember. Okay. okay? If I said to you, what Dallas Cowboy? has made the most Pro Bowls. Oh, uh, Madden loved him. Was it Larry Allen? Larry Allen. Yeah. Larry more, Allen. He was More than one. Emmett Smith, more than Michael Irvin, wow. more than Troy Aikman, more than Tony Dorsett, more than Drew Pearson, more than Roger Staubach, more than any defensive player, I think. Maybe not. I may be making that up. It may be offensive players. He went, let me see here. He went, um, I can't remember. Is he the one that had the big weight loss? Larry Allen? Yeah. 11 Pro Bowls, seven-time first-team All-Pro. That's pretty good. Hall of Famer Larry Allen, offensive lineman extraordinary of the Dallas Cowboys. So do you go him? And by the way, he was on the all-1990s decade team and all 2000. He was on two different all-decade wow, teams. that's impressive. John Hanna was, was termed by Sports Illustrated on the cover as the greatest offensive lineman of all time. I remember him. 13 seasons, New England Patriots mostly, 10 straight All-Pros. I'll say that again. Jeez. 10 straight All-Pros. So it's either episode John Hanna or episode Larry Allen. Or we could go Dennis Rodman, who also wore uh, number 73 in 1999 with the Los Angeles Lakers. I kid you not. Did He's he really? the only NBA player in the history of the sport <laughs> to wear number 73. Yeah, you could probably say that sentence and add like 10 other things besides whether the numbers are. By the way, it was Nate Newton who had that insane weight no, loss. Nate He's Not... also the guy who got caught for having like an immense amount of marijuana on him. Yeah. Was it marijuana? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think marijuana. it was, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, uh, John Hanna to... or Larry Allen. Yeah. Oh. I'm going to have to go with Larry. I mean, to make the all decade team in two different decades, to me, I'm leaning towards Larry Allen. Episode Larry Hanna. There you go. That'll work. Or we could go John Allen. Episode Larry Hanna. Don't forget, if you'd like to join me, if you want to do the party, the viewing party for the Packers game on Sunday at 3.30 or 3.40, to write me at Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. That's enough for now, okay? We're good. Episode 73P on Thursday, okay? Yes. Episode Larry Hanna. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.